Welcome to the podcast where my guests and I talk about anything and everything from sports, relationships, politics, movies to TV shows, current events, and conspiracy theories. No topic is ever off the limits and it's always uncensored. I'm Ben Borges and this is Man Chatter. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a guest on the show today, man. This is Cam Underwood. I've been a fan of his for three, four years. I was I was just talking to him before the podcast and telling him that I was reading his article on growing like growing up in Michigan and how he became a how he became a fan of Miami, which is very different than almost everybody else's story that I've ever heard of. Like he actually became a fan through the baseball team because of the old English letter because of the Detroit D. So again, tell tell people who you are, man. Tell, tell people about yourself. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. First of all, got to got to say that up front. But uh, Always, man. yeah, man. You know, on. so I run State of the U, um, uh, Miami's SB Nation website. Been running that for about uh, five or six years now. Uh, been uh, in with writing that, and I've been managing editor now for like this is going on my fifth season or fourth season. I forget how long, but it's been a while mm-hmm. uh, that I've been the H and I C over there. So just uh, you know, running the show, trying to uh, bring you guys as much great content as possible. I have a wonderful, wonderful contributing group uh, that we've grown over the course of time over there. So uh, if you're not already, please check us out at State of the U uh, for all your Miami Hurricanes needs because uh, we, we do really good work over there. And I don't say it just because I'm one of those people. I say it because we really do great work and I love uh, reading the stuff that's on the website. I don't even read it before it gets published. Most times I wait till it hits the site and then I want to see, you know, what it looks like. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, a little bit about me and the Miami Hurricanes kind of a way, but yeah, a couple of years ago, um, SB Nation uh, college network wide, we had uh, why we became a fan. It was like mm-hmm. a, a big content push, like network wide, everybody tell us why you care. You know what I mean? Like, right, why right. are you a fan of the team that you cover? Why are you connected to this? Why do you want to blog about that? Why do you want to talk about that? Um, and so, yeah, we had everybody at the website do it. Um, we actually had the new contributors. They went back through and they wanted to share their stories this summer. So they even did some now a couple of years after the fact. But when I wrote mine, I think it was 2017. Um, excuse me, why I became a hurricane. And this is my name uh, just to make it easy for everybody. Yeah, man. You know, um, so I, I'm a native Michigander. I grew up in Detroit, uh, moved there, moved back from California where I was born when I was uh, the summer we, I turned three. Uh, so I really only have memories of Detroit and everything growing up there, uh, you know, following the Pistons, Lions, Tigers, Red Wings, all that kind of stuff. Um, University of Michigan football was uh, my my college football team just because they were the biggest team locally. And I have a couple family members who went there mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, but I, my first love was always baseball because my dad wanted to be a baseball player. We always watched it. I played baseball growing up. Uh, I was better naturally at basketball. I went further with that, but I worked so hard at baseball. I wanted baseball to work for me, but I couldn't make it work. Right, um, right. So I, I watched everything, including the College World Series every year. Mm-hmm. And I always saw this team in orange and green with the script M. And again, that old English M looked like the old English D for the Tigers. Yeah, and I said, yo, that's my squad. I don't yeah. even know. That's my squad. I need the hat. I yeah. need the pennant in my room. I, yo, that's my squad. And I found out, oh, that's Miami. All right, so I had the hat in middle school, all this stuff. I was just saying before, I'm still looking for – there's a picture. I took an eighth-grade class trip with my class. We went from Detroit. We drove from there to the Grand Canyon and back for right. two weeks oh, wow. at the end of our eighth-grade year. It was a wonderful experience, but I wore that hat every single day on this trip. So Man. everywhere I went, people was like, oh, what? where's that from? And I said, oh, no, that's Miami. That's Miami. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was kind of how I got into that. And I would see, you know, the random uh, or the yearly – Miami, Florida State games. 
because again, that growing up in if that was national TV back in the eighties and nineties, you know, this is before the proliferation of, of coverage and cable to the extent that it is now. So that was like the only game I would see would be Miami versus Florida state. And then a bowl game, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would always check in with them. Okay. Like, yeah, I still have my hat. Everybody like, Oh yeah, whatever, whatever. So come to my senior year in high school, you know, I was looking for which college I was going to go to because, you know, going to college is a mandatory thing in my family. Mm-hmm. And I went to a, a local high school near, I went to Cranbrook. It's a private school. If you've seen the movie Eight Mile, yeah. that's the one they make fun of. Yeah, yeah. Me, this black guy, I went there. Yes, I know. My name is Cam, not Clarence. My parents got divorced when I was five, so they didn't have a real good marriage. <laughs> but whatever. That's my oh, alma man. mater. I love Cranbrook. CK all day. Anyways. I went to a, a, another local high school uh, for a college fair and everything, and I was talking to these different, uh, you know, schools and whatnot. And my mother actually moved down here to Florida, South Florida, before my senior year of high school. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay, let me go talk to Florida. Let me go talk to Florida State. Yeah. Oh, mine, he's here. All right. I mean, because they were there. They were there. They were there. You feel me? Like, I didn't want okay. to go there, but I figured if it's like a, it was an in-state school based yep. upon where my mom lived, which is, you know, where I had residency. And honestly, I was trying to leave Michigan. I was one of those kids who was like, I'd been to 37 states. I've been to four other countries already by the time I hit high school. You know, I had these experiences traveling and seeing some of the world. So I was like, yo, I want to go see more. I want to not go to Michigan or state like everybody in my class almost. Mm -hmm. I want to go somewhere else. So I I started talking to these other schools. So I went to the uh, Miami recruiter and I said, okay, you know, like tell me a little bit of your school. Let me get the information. Oh, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, Miami costs, gah, 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 whatever. I yep. said, oof, yeah. that's, a, that's a grip. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, feedback. what's up with that? Bro, yo, like, and I went to Cranbrook, which was a grip then, too. Like, yeah. you know, my, yeah. mother, my mother loves me, and I had a scholarship, you know, yeah. so that was able to work out. But, so I, you know, I told the Miami recruiter, I said, yo, you know, what's up on the in-state tuition? And she, she kind of scoffed. She goes, sir, we're a private institution. I said, yeah. bitch, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Miami, I see on Saturdays yeah. with them – them thug-looking kind of dudes playing football, that's a private school? She said, the University of Miami is a private institution, and you have the information in front of you, sir. Thank you very much. I said, yep. oh, yep. damn. She's real. Um, it, yo, it was mad real. Um, but again, you know, I, I was a, a nerdy kind of kid, so I was able to get scholarships. Uh, and, yeah, I wanted to go to Vanderbilt. was my number one. I've never been to Nashville a day in my life. But, you know, uh, if you know a little bit about me, I was a music major. I ended up as a music major. I was a music teacher for 15 years. Okay. So being in choir was a huge thing for me. I, I mean, I always was in choir and church growing up, band, orchestra, all kinds of different. I'm a, I'm a musical person. I always right. have been. So they have a conservatory of music at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And you start doing student teaching stuff in your second semester freshman year where you have experience hands on. I mean, it's not like by yourself, but in, right. embedded in some of those classes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to teach. I thought I wanted to teach music. So I can go to this conservatory. I can start getting hands-on experience early on as an 18, 19 year old person. That was, I was sold like, boom, done. Uh, And I just couldn't make it work because they didn't give me as much scholarship to Vanderbilt. Um, And so I remember I skipped my classes on whatever decision day was in the first half of that day, um, calling around everybody in Nashville, couldn't make it work. I called my mom out the middle of a meeting down here in Broward County. And like, as a sad, petulant child talking about, I guess I'm gonna go to Miami. Yeah, like, right. I mean, it was like, yeah. but this is 18 year old Cam. Like, that hurt my soul to have to make that decision. But it ended up being the perfect place for me. So yeah, yeah, man. So that that's crazy. So yeah, like I told you, like before this, we started hit hit that record button. I read that article and I was like, man, that's so that's, that's so crazy because you don't think of 
you think of the Miami now as a national brand, right? Like it's, it is what it is. But back then for you to come across like this baseball team that you see every, every June, just doing their thing was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it's especially being like, a, so I want to touch on the musical thing real quick. So I've been watching America's got talent, right. With, uh, okay. with like the two choirs with like the, the Detroit youth choir. Right, so you got you yeah, got, yeah, and you got uh the Enlovu was the Enlovu Youth Choir, which is from South Africa. Man, I've been watching mm. like the the passion and the energy these these people bring like is crazy. Like I'm watching as like giving me chills just because you could tell like how happy they are. So what was that experience like for you growing up? I mean, like we we could touch on Miami and all the all the other King stuff, but yeah. I want to know more about that. No, I mean. Music is something that's always been in my soul. Like, I'm even talking about it here, and I'm getting goosebumps just on my arms, honestly. Um, if you are of a certain age, you probably remember, there was a, a church out of Southern California called the Crystal Cathedral with Robert Schuller, mm -hmm. and that had a nationwide um, broadcast on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Now, again, I was born in Anaheim, so my mother and my parents lived out there when I was right. born, and that was the church that my mom would go to. And before praise and worship or any kind of musical, like number she had to leave because she thought i was going to kick through her stomach like back flips front flips everything i mean if music yeah. happened like i mean she was pregnant she was like yo i i it was it looked she said it felt like what the the alien and aliens looked like before it punched <laughs> through the stomach yeah that's yeah. what she said it felt like whenever yeah. music started to really kick up so honestly since before i was even you know a living uh, 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 independent being right music has been in me. um and yeah, you know, it is, it is just, it is passion made real. Mm -hmm. You know, it is just, it's one of those things. And I always said, even when, when I taught, if I can't feel it, then why am I doing it? Yep. You know what I mean? If it's supposed to be a fast, boisterous song, then it needs to hit like that. Yep. If it's a slow, quiet song, then it still has to have that core to emotion behind it. Yep. But you're purveying the story of your song in a different kind of a way. Um, and I, and that's just the thing that has always been in me. My father, God rest his soul, was a huge Prince fan. And oh. he, he would talk to me about that too. Like, yo, this is music you feel. Like, yeah. I mean that, yo, those guitar riffs are dirty. Those, he hits on them drums. Like, it's not something that is necessary. Like if you, you can tune it out, but it's something that even when you have it tuned out, it makes its way into the front part of your consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always been a thing for me with music. It's just, I don't know. And it's, it's it was something I was just naturally uh, attuned to. I remember going, um, when we would go over to my grandmother's house on the corner of Seven Mile and Outer Drive in Detroit, um, you know, everybody had, you got, uh, you know, grandma, big mama has mm -hmm. the white living room. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't go into, don't nope. sit on that. No. Nope. But we had, she had the, the grand piano in there. And I remember being like three and four years old. And I would walk straight in there and sit at the piano and start playing full songs that I just heard on the radio. No, wow. I mean, Stevie Wonder, two hands, full harmony, everything, just off of hearing it. And everybody in my family was like, what? Like, and I'm like, I mean, whatever. And I would just start yeah. doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they nurtured that in me from a, a young age. I went to some schools that had some really great programs uh, with music, the Waldorf School, uh, where you just, you do everything. You sing, you dance, you play instruments. Um, I mean, I went to band camp at Interlochen Arts Camp, which, by the way, is the original band camp. So the one from the movies is mm. based off of Blue Lake, which okay. is another band camp in Michigan. But that's the off brand. That's the great value version. That, like the yeah. original, the Coca-Cola, the name brand, yeah. that's Interlochen. That's where right. I went for three or four years as a kid. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, at every step, 
other way. I just, music was always around, whether it's recorders, whether it's voice, whether it's, um, I played violin for two years. I played clarinet for five. Um, I, played, I, played I went clarinet. to band camp. I played piano. I played oh, see, woodwinds. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. hey, all day, you know, play bass clarinet, play some saxophone, uh, you know, dem- or played around with some other instruments when I was in college because you had to really have experience with all those things. But yeah, I mean, just as long as I've been living and breathing, music has been a, a thing for me. And I mean, I had some great experiences all the way coming up. Even when I was at Cranbrook, I was able to perform with the, um, an outside choir called Cantata Academy. And it was like a semi-professional group. So I was singing with people who were in their 50s and 60s oh, wow. at 17 years old, uh, singing, I mean, stuff that you never get to sing, like all these Bach, Beethoven um, pieces of music. I still have them in the, in the other room of my house. But I mean, these are books. These are, you know, two and 300 pages worth of music you know, for a full, con- you know, three hour concert. Right. And I was doing that, you know, when other people, and I mean, and this is still when I was, you know, doing sports and I was, you know, in my academics and things like that. But, you know, having those things, I mean, singing on stage at Orchestra Hall in Detroit was such a transformational thing for me because I always went there in the audience growing up mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I'm going to do that. One of my uncles, my mom's uh, brother is a professional French horn player. He has a degree in French horn. So he would be up there sometimes like my uncle Jim. Okay. He's a professional player, blah, 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 whatever. And I'd be like, okay, it's just a thing that I would go watch. And I remember at 17 years old, I got on that stage and I looked up and I didn't sing the first song just because I was looking around. Like, you know, like when you're a true freshman on the field for the first time and you look right. around and you say, damn, there's 80,000 people in this stadium. And then that was me on stage at orchestra yeah. hall. Yeah. So yeah, my entire life music has just been a, a huge thing. Uh, to me. Um, you know, I always will stay connected to it. It's a thing, again, that I just have. I know that there's skills that I have in music that few people have. Uh, I can hear something and transcribe it. I can write it down, like, in technical mu- uh, notation mm-hmm. uh, easier than some other people. But, yeah, I mean, just at every, st- every step along the way, music has been there for me, and, I mean, it's, it's a thing that I love. So you were basically uh, Jaron Williams then, right? Like, you had that you had that whole shit, now, now I'm in the spotlight. When you, when you stood there in the concert hall, you knew, you knew yeah. what was coming. Like it, it was a yeah, totally I mean, no, I, I didn't. And right. But the, and the thing is, the older people in the group said, OK, this is going to be different. I'm like, whatever. Like, yeah. you yeah. look, I'm the first 17 year old you've had in like 20 years. You feel yeah. me? I'm better than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. My shit don't stink. Yeah, and yeah. I got on that stage. And she was dip- <laughs> them lights came on literally because yeah. you see people on these shows talking about, bro, like the lights are bright. Yo, if you've never been on the stage side of a stage for a performance, yeah. Yeah. I urge everybody to do it, even if it's just for a rehearsal. Do it one time. Them lights are brighter than you think, fam. You no, can't yeah. see nothing. You cannot see the audience at all. You can see the people on the stage or the conductor, director, whoever. Like, it's a different sensation. And that one, yo, that one hit me that night for real. Man, I'll I tell you. So my few experiences on any stage, when I was, I think I was like in fifth grade. Like, we had a school-wide, we had a school-wide spelling bee test, right? Because it was like the national scripts were coming up. And it was one of those yeah. things so, yo, I'm on that stage. So somehow I'm like the best in my class. So I go up against like other fifth graders from other groups, right? So I'm on that stage. Yo, like I'm shy. I was terrible. I'm shy as shit because I'm five. I'm like I'm in fifth grade. I don't know what the fuck. Is- I don't know what's going on. So I, I walk yeah. up to the mic and the whole. Th- I'm so nervous, and like the whole class is looking at me. The whole school's there. I remember being almost cross-eyed looking into the mic just because I didn't want to like look outside into the crowd. So and then, I think when I was 19, I used to write a lot of poetry, right? Right, I used to okay. like that's how I used to like. I got through high school. I got you know what I mean. Like battled. I didn't battle bullies because I was always the bigger kid. But I, like mm-hmm. being the bigger kid is always kind of weird because like people think you're supposed to be tough and mean. Like I was like, nah, man, I'm just a regular dude. Like I'm just chilling. 
So, like, I, my, I remember this girl that I had, a, like, a crush on, I guess. She's like, yo, like, why don't you write something for me? Of course, it comes down to a girl, right? So, I was, like, 17. I mean, of course. Yeah, I was, like, 17 when I started to write, and I wrote this story. And then I just always stayed writing. And then I got on stage. So, I was, uh, I was in the service for five, for six years, right? So, I did, I did three, I did three, four, four years in Hawaii. So, I got on stage as much right. as I could. But you see, you, I went like three or four times and I got to see like some of the best poets because right, it was right around the time when like deaf poetry was out. So I got to see like that. I got to see those type of artists and I was like, yo, like that's the level of expression that I can't, you know, like you could feel and almost like music, like that you could feel this man's pain that he's telling you about something you can't relate to at all. Like you don't know that kind of life, but you're feeling every second of it. So I was like, oh, I think yeah. I, I think I could do that. I think I, you kind of think about it. Then you get on that stage. And those lights are so bright. Those those lights, no. bright like that. Like they don't make light bulbs for that in real life, though. Like you can't explain that to anybody else who's never who's never done it. I remember right. shaking. It was like you got to be up there and see it. Yeah, I remember shaking the whole time. Like I wrote this shit, and like I couldn't read it. Like my all of a sudden I went like blind. So like I freestyled. I was I was like I hope this makes sense. I don't know what the hell I'm saying because it's just me <laughs> up here. It was crazy. So one thing I. You, you hit me with something you said, man, about music. Like, I've always yeah. been a fan of music in every, since I can remember. Right? Like, I never had the talent to to sing it or I, I was, I had, like, I played instruments and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. like, music is one thing. Like, with these choirs, are like, you feel to a different level. Like, I always, like, Prince, it does, like, you'll be listening to it. Like, it'll be in the in the car. Then you would listen to it for, like, a minute or two. Then, like, that third or fourth minute, you're like, you're like you're in that shit. Like you're in it. It's it's, it's made its way in. I, I'm like that with. I'm like that with. So I'll tell you a little bit of the people I like to listen to. It's like Chris Stapleton. He's he's a country singer, but that mm-hmm. dude, that dude's soul man. Like he, that's like right there. That's that's undeniable. Like him, Sam Smith, a little bit blew up. Obviously Stevie. We go with the legends, but like I, mean, I think right now, yeah. I mean it's it's crazy, man. But it's so when you go when you do that stuff and you just listen to that level of talent, it makes you realize that there's so much more, like so much positivity out there. I mean, like you just like somebody, somebody had to go through something to give you that amount of power and that amount of, that amount of beauty in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's a good emotions and bad emotions make good music. Yeah. You know, everybody talk about, you know, Adele, like, Oh, she broke up with her husband. Whoop. About to get another fire album. I don't know what number it's going to be. You know, cause 19 and 21, boy, I mean, is you know, Mary J. Blige, you know, another person you talk about going through heartache and whatnot, like that's going to really tap into those emotions and things like that. And, you know, uh, I think that singing in general, whether it's classical, whether it's in a choir, you know, a group of people, that's my specialty is, you know, groups mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> or it's, uh, you know, whatever. It is so, it is so personal yep. because you're born with the voice you got. Mm-hmm. Now you can train it, you can develop it, you can shape it, you can style it, but I cannot sing Mariah Carey anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I was a, a jit before my voice changed, yep. I used to sing Mariah Carey up in Mariah Carey range as a boy soprano. I mean, I used to be up there and my voice changed and you, you hear the voice that I have now. I, don't, I can't do that. No. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, and so it's so personal to you and you use it for if you, you know, are a person who's able-bodied and able to speak, you use it for all the communication of life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so now I'm going to sing. So I'm going to turn this thing that is essential to my being 
into this artistic expression. It's very different than playing a guitar or very different than playing a clarinet, very different than sitting at the piano. You know what I mean? Like it is the most personal instrument possible because it is part of your being. Um, and in that, I think that you are able, people are able to convey emotions through singing that you cannot convey in other things. And you have the added bonus of text. I have words, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not just this emotional kind of a thing, whether it's, and look, there are great emotional kind of songs. Eric Satie, Gymnopédia number one, is such a sad piano song. And you feel the longing of his heart when you hear that song being played. But if you have that kind of a song and you put lyrics to it, because you have a voice and you have articulators, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, where you can actually say something and put it into language, whatever language it is. I mean, English, Russian, Italian, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But that level of connection is, I think it's exponentially more to connect to the audience. So to see these choirs on the show, uh, and I've only watched a little bit of it because, you know, I, I lived it for so long, you know, yeah, being in choir and, and teaching it that, you know, I didn't, I'd never watched an episode of Glee because I was a high school choir director when it was on. So like, why well, am I going to watch? Yeah. Why would, I mean, cause honestly, I remember there was a football player who was the tenor section leader in my choir who was dating a dance team co-captain and dumped her to date the cheerleader in the soprano section who sat two seats down from his ex-girl. So I'm like, bruh, like, yeah. I, all I got to do is go to four-period class, yeah. and I see what you wait until 8 o'clock on Fox or whatever it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, that was crazy. So man. I haven't watched yeah. a lot of this, um, but it's great to see. It's great to see people singing. It's great to see uh, the continuation of, of music as a genre. And, I mean, of course, you know, with the Detroit Youth Choir being there, uh, that's a thing of pride for me, even though I was not a member of that group uh, growing up. Um, just because my sports schedule was opposite or it didn't allow me to be in, in that particular choir or anything, but seeing them and then, you know, groups from Africa, there's so many great uh, oral traditions from there. Uh, mm -hmm. Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, um, all kinds of other things. We did a song every year uh, when I taught uh, that was uh, a Nigerian Christmas song called Betelehemu, uh, which had moving and drumming and clapping and all kinds of stuff like that. So, you know, seeing them take their uh, vocal tradition and putting it forward is, is such a great thing, but yeah, music, I mean, I don't even know how long we've been talking about it because I thought we was going to mm -hmm. talk about football. But I mean, I mean no, it, it, look, no, it's all good. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying you started me down that path and I can go. Yeah, no, we, and this, I told you, this is, this is, un we could talk about anything. Like, I always, like, my, my, my wife is a, a producer, right? She's been, she worked on TV for 15, 18 years. So she's always like, oh, you got to have a, you got to have a structure and you got to figure this out. I was like, listen, that's not, but when a conversation happens, I like it for it to be organic. Like, I thought by now we yeah. would have been breaking down the secondary three years from now on who they're recruiting yeah. class. But it's just, like, this is a conversation. Music is that, trans, like, translational, transitional in a way where you just go into it and you can talk about it all day. So, I, well, so this is kind of weird for me. Uh, so, the one thing about the, the Nigeria, uh, not, not the South African choir is that, mm. So it's it's an all black uh it's an all black choir, but then their leader is like this, almost looks like a German guy, like blonde hair, blue eyed, because you know like with with apartheid and all that stuff that they went through. Oh, so, so like, yeah, he's the the white South African. Yeah, the white South African. He's like the Charlie Theron of, of that that whole aspect. <laughs> <laughs> like it's this dude. Like you just don't you don't see it. Like oh okay, like this. Like I mean white bro, like white white like blonde hair, okay. blue eyed hard jaw like it's 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 so you watch him and it's like man I, and i so i go with that and then i start thinking about 
So, like, the, the only knowledge on the history I got about South Africa with that stuff is, like, reading uh, Trevor Noah's book, right? Born a Crime. Okay. Which, if, you've read, if you haven't read it, I recommend it. I, he- I heard it on audio. It's amazing, man. So, you, you see that, and it's like, man, like, 25 years ago, these two, they couldn't even be together. Like, that was a, that was a crime right. within itself. To like, so, to see that to where they are now, to go into the finals, because they're, they're doing that, it's, it's amazing, man. Like, it just shows, like, how powerful music can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it just, it speaks to everybody. It's one of those universal languages like math, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. because I'm a nerd. So numbers, yeah. you, I mean, without any other language, numbers work. And it doesn't matter where you're from, numbers are numbers. And it's a thing with music, you know, like when I, when I taught, you know, public school and I taught at inner city situations down here in South Florida, you know, very diverse populations, uh, 65, 70% black uh, schools and things like that. We sung in every language. I mean, we sang in Papiamento, we sang in Italian, German, French, uh, Spanish, uh, Russian. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs is called Beniki. Uh, and we did, and we added in a, a stomp at the end of it. A lot of people, uh, my friends who saw the video up on YouTube, they're like, yo, I have, you know, but like we, you know, I exposed them to so many things from all over the world and things throughout history. I mean, and it was kind of funny because, you know, if you've ever heard of like madrigals, you know, like um, small group songs from the Renaissance, you know, the Baroque era, you're talking 1540, you know, for a particular song. And there's one in Italian, uh, Il Bianco e Dolcecino. And the end of it has this beautiful folding over kind of ending part where like all the different parts kind of abscond each other. And that started in part books where like, if I'm a bass, I had my part only. I didn't have all the rest of the music. The ladies that they sang soprano, they only had theirs. The altos only had theirs. You didn't see the whole thing. Right. And so it was like a joke. And so the ending line is, if I were to die a thousand times a day, then I would be content. Which in English, or if you think it that way, you're like, whoa, that'd be awesome. But then you dig a little bit deeper and you figure out, oh, they used to call an orgasm le petit mort, the little death. So they're talking about if I could have a thousand orgasms a day, I would be happy. Yeah, legit. You know what I'm saying? So, but then, and the people who would sing it at the time, you didn't know what it was saying until, you know, the end. So you're just reading through the book and then you hear it and everybody's talking about the, and you're like, what? So now, fast forward to the 2010s, yeah. we sing that song at the high school and I, you know, go through the history because I have the history books mm-hmm. with my students and I'm like, yo, they nasty. And I'm like, yeah, and dude wrote it in 1538. Yeah. So y'all thinking about y'all skipping class to be in a hallway, go see a little boot thing because you're trying to get some cut cut. Bruh, people been doing, this is literally how people exist yeah. Yeah. by doing this thing. Yeah. And this is how literally uh, the human race is propagated. So yes. you over here thinking, oh, this is the first time, oh, I'm a lion, I'm going to go do whatever, whatever. Bruh, people were singing songs about this 500 years ago, fam. Yeah. You ain't new. And had and had a, and had a whole crowd looking at him, waiting for waiting for that last line to hit. Just waiting. It's crazy. I'm so, well, no, because again, nobody knew. So at the end, when everybody heard it come together, they're like, "Wait, if you if you if you oh, oh it was like one of those kind of like yeah. at the end revelation things." But I'm like, "Yeah, bro, you know." So like, even with that, just and, and connecting the history, because like, yeah, your horny little ass is 17 years old. Yeah. I get you. I understand. I was 17. You were 17. You understand how that goes. But the thoughts that I had at 17 or you had at 17, they was having way back when too. So stop. And they didn't have television. They had social media. They were just, they had to write orchestras to try to get some, try to get, try to get some notoriety. Hey man, exactly. (laughs) Hey, that's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh man. 
First of I'm all, sure that, people did not expect to get a history lesson on <laughs> on that in this podcast, but you're welcome. Hey, man, uh, but let's take a second and realize that a thousand orgasms a day sounds exhausting. Like that, that but, right? <laughs> that's how. But much, first of all, but how? Let's just. But you would die a happy person. Oh hell if yeah! If you had those, yeah, and probably trying to reach for you like a bottle mean? for some water or something that hopefully doesn't have very <laughs> ready to kill you. Man, a thousand and, and like. <laughs> right. And and like, oh God, and, and the vote and the lines, like the musical lines of that are so and it's in Italian. So you're hearing this and everything, like, oh man, this classical technique that you know it, it sounds like really and then you like dig in, you're like, damn, he's thinking about busting a net that godly, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's it's a the lot. Whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. And, and and I think the end part repeats like it folds over itself like three or four times. And that's like ha- how the, the joke kind of gets revealed because we say it so much. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, so the, you know, the girls are saying, the boys are saying all the different four parts and everything. And it kind of comes back together. But it's a, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's an interesting kind of a thing. So when you were, when you were teaching these, these kids and like showing them all these different songs from all these different countries, especially like in the inner city, like I grew up in South Florida. Like I grew up okay. all, all over. I grew up in, Hialeah, I grew up in South, I grew up in South Miami, I grew up in Kendall, Homestead, all over, right? So I got experience with all, all, all stuff. So when you Mm. showed these kids that never seen anything outside of their neighborhood, their hood, wherever that is, what, what was their reaction to that, man? Um, you know, some people latched, latched onto it really quickly. Other people, it might've taken a little bit of a while. And, you know, you also have to, to take into account that everything is not for everybody. Right. You know, everybody in a 3,000 person high school is not on the football team. Everybody's not on the math club. Everybody's not, you know, taking French or whatever. So, you know, you did, I, it, it was a task to find that group and everything. But uh, yeah, you know, it was a little bit of, of a fight to begin with, obviously, just because doing things outside of your comfort zone is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always said that that's where you find greatness, not where you are, but where you push yourself to be. Um, and yeah, just giving them so many different experiences where, you know, okay, cool. And sometimes I would try to expose them to something and it didn't hit. You know, I would, I would love it, like whatever. Okay, I'm going to try this. It didn't come together. Maybe the, the notes were too high or too low or it just didn't come together. Fine, you know. The, but really, yeah, you know, just giving them a variety of different experiences um, that they might not have otherwise had. Because, you know, I come from a different background, uh, being from Detroit, going to private school my entire life uh, and things like that, where, you know, it is a little bit different for me where I come from uh, as opposed to them. So yeah, you know, just uh, did a lot of listening, you know, to a lot of different groups, a lot uh, singing the same songs, singing different songs, um, you know, exposing them to some stuff and then just really saying, okay, you know, if you, if we're doing this and we're developing your technique, if you do what I asked you to do from a technical standpoint to coordinate your voice, alignment, placement, technique, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it will make it easier and sound better. And then you can take that technique and put it on anything you want to sing. Mm-hmm. So I have students now who are like, okay, you know, I was playing around before. I really want to uh, get into the recording studio and things like that. Okay, I got to really control my breath because I don't want to be singing my hip hop song and be talking about my bay B because I can't manage my breath. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But breath management is a thing that we work on. So even showing, you know, 
through the guy, you know, I was teaching life skills or taught life skills through the guise of music. So I would say, okay, we're going to do some of these things, but you know, your perseverance, your attention to detail, those are things, your punctuality um, that you're going to need in your professional career, but also in the terms of music, if you are a passionate person about music, I'm making you better for now, but also giving you those skills where you can hopefully sing for a lifetime. And yeah. I think that was the thing that they really latched on to as being positive. Yeah. And because it gave, it gave kids a structure through a means that they wouldn't normally think structure would come from. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I feel you on that, man. That's, that's, that's what's up. That's crazy. I'm telling like, this is totally different than I thought this podcast was going to go. I, like, I don't even know how long we're in it. Don't, don't even matter. I mean, so we, uh, we right. Down, exactly. Yeah. We broke down the history of music. So I initially reached I mean, out, to, well, not all of it. Cause that I was, was going to say not, not all of it, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll save that for another podcast. We'll break down the, the effects of Beethoven and, and today's music or something. Oh God. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna need to study up on that. That stuff I haven't gone, gone that deep on in a long time. But uh, I'm, like I said, you know, uh, we, we can do that if you want to. Yeah, that's crazy. So like the music I listen to, like I don't listen, I still listen to like, I feel like I've reached the age, so I'm 35 now. I feel like I've reached the age oh. where like, I could, I could count back like 20, 25 years. And that's the music I kind of still listen to. Like I tend to go more towards like a biggie, you know what I mean? Like that, that old school R&B, that old school hip hop. And I'm like, yeah. when I have kids, like I'm gonna be playing that music and my kids gonna be looking at me like, why are they saying all their words? Like, why, why are they rhyming? It's not, it's not just mumble. It's not just mumble shit. Like, let's just, let, we, hey, we're going to keep it 100. We're going to keep it 100. No, nah, like, I mean, no, nah, today they do be mumbling and everything. And it's, it's funny just because, you know, I listen to so much music and everything. You know, something uh, Al Green would come on back in the day and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'd just, I'd be jamming. I'd be singing it every day. And yeah. I just remember my mom's all the time be talking about, well, what you know about this? I'm like, you played it for me. Like, what you mean? What do I know? You yeah. taught me what I know about this, Ma. Like, you know, maybe I was with Pops, and you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, I mean, we, like, yo, I've been in this family. We got cookouts. Yeah. We got kickbacks. We got yeah. renewed. Like, I, bruh, the music be on. What you mean? Yeah, yeah it's always on. I, like, my, my, always. So my household had obviously two languages. Like, I had Spanish music all the time because my mom, every mm. Saturday, religiously, would make me like reorganize the house in some way, like move furniture, and she'd always have music on in the background. Like that's that's just what oh, I no, that was. That was cleaning on Sundays at the church for us. You put on that gospel. Oh. Air, hey, you already know. Like, yeah. get it. I'm not even gonna give you the list yep. because you know the list. Get it done. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Like, I'd wake yeah. up to some Spanish music. Like, oh, here we go. What she want me to move? The, <laughs> she want me to move the bed at a 45 degree angle in the right sunlight or some shit. It's crazy. So, yeah, man, so I, I reached out to you because, obviously, I've been a fan. I've been watching you on, on Mark Rogers TV, and I was like, man, let me, let me see. I just want to talk to the guy because I'm a person who, like, likes somebody who has a knowledge and an education and something, right? Like, I like to learn through people, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not a – I don't learn well through reading. Like, I'm more of a visual and auditory learner. So, like, watching you, like, talk about, talk about stuff you care about and stuff like that and the passion you're showing it, man, is – it's crazy. So I, I just want to commend you on, on what you've done, man. That's, that's, that's big time, man. Especially coming man, from... I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, coming from Michigan and then, like, adapting to, to Miami because it's a totally different life. Like my, Woo! Boy. Boy. <laughs> so, so, like, that's, that's one thing. I, so I could kind of react to what, how the kids were feeling at that time because when you live in South Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, like, you don't mm-hmm. think there's anything past it because you live in paradise. You know what I mean? Like, you live right. in a place that millions and millions of people come to every year like well, why the f- why would we go anywhere like i could meet mm-hmm. a i could meet a russian chick down the street at the club tonight like you know what i mean like that's that's just how it, that's how it was and that's how it was for me so i got older and i, I turned i turned 19 
And I went to the army and I figured it all out. I was like, yo, there's a whole world out here that I don't know nothing about. So I need to, I need to figure all this out. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it it was definitely a transition when I came down here, but uh, you know, going back to the first thing first, I thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. The, the passion that I approach life in general is a thing that is one of my biggest, um, positive traits uh just always have whether it's sports whether it's my academics whether it's music whether it's video games which i play incessantly anything you know uh, that passion um i try to have that come through so and it, and it is sincere it is this is who i am honestly and truly uh so i really appreciate the fact that that comes through uh and everything so that that compliment that's one that i i take more than or i take stronger than almost anything else because that's really a key component to who i am is my passion so first of all thank you for that um moving down here though man yeah it was different it was it was very different but you know having had the opportunity to you know like i said i was born in california moved back to detroit i've been to 37 states and four other countries and things like that having those experiences moving around uh and getting to see a little bit of, of god's green earth um that's really what spurred me to want to come not necessarily to miami because again i wanted to go to vanderbilt and ended up in miami but somewhere else you know like and I remember on that eighth grade class trip, like the, we went a little bit further west of the Grand Canyon. Um, but that was almost the most western part of the trip. But man, just standing there and seeing that and being like, yo, this thing, this amazing. And if, if you're listening to this podcast, you've never been to the Grand Canyon. You need to go. You need to like store your phone, your camera, like take a picture and put it away. And just stand there in awe of God's creation. Like, honestly and truly, it was such a spiritual moment just standing there and seeing that. I'm like, yo, I want to go see more. I want to go somewhere else. Like, I didn't grow up down here, so I came down here. You know, I went on my first big solo trip this summer. I went to Amsterdam, which was a wonderful, wonderful, amazing trip. Uh, And I want to go see, you know, even more stuff like that. But, I mean, it was not without its pitfalls. I did almost fail out of Miami my first semester freshman year because I was, gonna ask that. I was 19, Yep, a little bit away from home. My mom lived up in Broward County, uh, you know, but I was far enough away and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the homeboys, you know, it'd be a random Tuesday talking about, hey, yo, Cam, we finna go to South Beach. I'm like, bro, like I got three more classes and you know, whatever. Okay, so 15 minutes, nah, bro. So, so, 15, so 20 minutes. Yep. All right, fam, let me do half this problem set. I'm going to get half the problem set to Kareem to go take the physics for me, and then we out. And yeah. I did stuff like that. I skipped my math class for five weeks straight. Damn. It was 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I missed four weeks or five weeks in a row. I came back, and they were like, bro, you didn't miss four quizzes, three tests, and we got another test today. What's popping? I said, well, I guess I got to ace everything else so I get a C in this class to get through. And I did because I'm a nerd, but like, it, no, it was, uh, yeah, no, it, woo, that, yeah, first semester freshman year was rough for your boy. But I mean, I, I, I rallied back, you know, I ended up graduating with honors and everything, but it started yeah. off not in a pretty way. No, I, I, I was going to ask you about that. So, like, I've been, I've been to like 12, 12 states. What is it? How, I think we did like, I think we've done like seven or eight countries. So my wife is more of the traveler than I am. So for our honeymoon, okay. we went to Barcelona, Madrid, because I'm a big Real Madrid fan. Like besides the Miami mm-hmm. Hurricanes, that's my second team. Like soccer is my overall like favorite sport. And Miami Hurricanes okay. are number one. So gotcha. we, we did that. And then we went to Portugal. We went to Lisbon. And we went to this, this island set off the coast of Lisbon called the Azores. 
So yeah. how you described how you described uh, the Grand Canyon is how it felt for me for in the Azores. I guess this this place mm-hmm. like we were. I, one day I was just searching before our honeymoon, and I was just searching. I was like, where would we go? And like I came across this picture. So there's these two lakes in the middle of an island in the middle of the of the Atlantic Ocean, right? And these two lakes are two totally different colors. Like one is bright green and one is bright blue, and it's oh right I see th- it yeah. You see it? Yeah, no, I looked it up right now. Bro, like you you see the picture and I was like, where the f- is this? Like what like what cuz I looked up Lisbon and I was like, yo, this is in Portugal. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. If you can't tell Cam right now has his jaw dropped. <laughs> we all put this up now. I'm putting this up. Man, I'm, like it's one of the it's one of the most beautiful I, I can't even put it like it just watching it cuz it took us a while to get it cuz we got to like drive up a mountain. And you gotta like, yeah, see, yeah. you gotta like really see it. And when you get that perspective, you're like, "There's just something more powerful out there that made this happen." Oh. Like, God, God made this, and you just we stood there, we took pictures, and it was it just the pictures don't even do it justice because the camera can't really capture what you're seeing. You know, like the camera's right. great for like Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff, but your, what your eyes are seeing, like, yo, this is, this is incredible. This, so nah, yeah, I mean, one of the things I that I gotta get drugged up though. I'm gonna keep it 100 because I hate to fly, like with every ounce of who I am. I absolutely. Oh, so hate you're uh yeah, like dude, you're I, Mr. T on the A team, B A Baracus. So we gotta yeah, put you out, I, huh? Yeah, I become. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you, Cam. I become a little bitch, man. Like I start sweating. <laughs> I'm. I start sweating. It's not. It's not a good look. It's not my my big. I'm six. I'm six two. 300 pounds, man. I become, I, I, listen, I start sweating. Like I just ran a marathon and I'm, and I'm, it's not a good look, man. So I got to get drugged up. My wife was like, Oh, it's not that bad. So we're, so I'm from Panama. So we're flying back from Panama. We landed in Miami, then up here, then to Tampa. So we landed. She's like, Oh, it's not going to be that bad. It's a 45 minute flight. Nope. Not me. I'm drenched. I'm, I'm, cause I, sh- I forgot to take my meds at the right time and I'm drenched in sweat. Oh. Like, and she's like, Oh my God, you look like you're about to die. I was like, Yeah, I know. This is, Cause the anxiety, t- it's it's not it's not a good look. It's crazy, but nah. I mean, that is something that will <clears throat> obviously affect you know the the ability to travel and the ease with which. But yeah, man. I mean, if if you're listening to this and you haven't traveled to different places, I urge you to get out and do that. It's a thing mm-hmm. that I mean, I'm 38 and I really am just starting to try to go see a lot of more places. You know, like I've been on a couple cruises, so I've seen you know a, a little bit of the Caribbean. You know. Um, my mom's husband is from Jamaica, so we did like a circumnavigation tour of the island of Jamaica a couple of years ago as a family and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, just even going further outside of that, you know, I've never been to South America yet. I need to go back uh, to Europe uh, and see more of that, like Asia. Like I'm, you know, if you follow me on 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 Twitter, you know, like I love food. Like that's my yeah. thing. You know, like I always top chef, chopped all those things and like cooking has become one of my major uh, hobbies and everything. And I love those uh, Southeast Asian flavors, you know, the mm-hmm. Chinese, Japanese Thai, like I love that food, but I want to go there and have it super authentically. And yeah. I've had some of, some of that, you know, like there's a spot outside of uh, Detroit in Birmingham called Sai Thai. And uh, that at Cranbrook, we had international students. So students from all over the world, they would live in the dorms and everything. You know, it was a board, it had a boarding program and a day program. I was a day student because I lived in Detroit, but you know, you could have people from wherever who lived on campus. Mm -hmm. And when the students from Thailand wanted a home cooked meal, they would go to this restaurant. And I said, okay, y'all take me with you 
So, I mean, wherever you go, and like to this day, if I go back to Detroit, hey, I'm calling up my homeboys, be like, yo, side tie at like three. Cause yeah. I mean, two, I mean, what? I'm coming up on my 20 year high school reunion in the spring, you know, like still, hey, I mean, I, I found that out in 1996 when I was a freshman in high school, and multiple times when I go home, every single time, I gotta go there. Yeah, and you know, if the people from there are saying this is authentic, like my mom would cook it if I was at home and not living abroad here at this high school, then I figured out, okay, that has to be authentic, yep. which is dope, but I still want to go to Thailand and have Thai food from the little street vendor on the side yeah. of, you know, wherever. Uh, yeah, you as want well. the whole atmosphere. Yeah, you want the whole atmosphere and, yes. the, and, the, and the originality of like where it all came from. Yeah, it's yes. Going to, going to Europe, it shows you one of the things that shows you like how, how young America is, right? Just like with the architecture and the food and the people, like they, they just they carry themselves differently. Like, and the food is different. It even it tastes cultured. Like I don't know how else to say. Like it, it tastes like we we had the best. I had like a black something called a black belly fish in the Azores, right? And so they're okay. they're weird. Like in Europe, you learn very quickly that they eat late as shit, right? Like they so we went to eat at like seven o'clock. Restaurant wasn't even open yet. We had to wait for them to like to finish cleaning because they didn't open till like nine o'clock. So they cooked just for us. And so my wife and I shared this plate. Now, this fish was probably nine pounds, roughly. So they cook it all for you. Yeah, it's but me and my wife tore that. My wife doesn't even like seafood. Like we ate, mm. we, we split that fish. That's the best seafood I've ever had in my life. Like I, it was great. Wow. Like it, mind you, literally came right off the ocean into, into my, onto the table. But just mm. having, I was like, man, and it was like garnished with like with potatoes and different kinds of potatoes. Like you had red, white, and the way they were cooked, everything was amazing. It was crazy. Mm. How the hell did we go from music to, to food? Like we just we doing the whole because because we were talking about uh, me traveling down here and then traveling other places, yeah. and then it just kind of kept going. P.S. By the way, I do have to say before we go on to whatever you, you were going to say, if ever you go to Amsterdam, you must go to restaurant Vermeer, V as in Victor, E-R-M-E-E-R. -E -E it is right that. by Amsterdam Central Station. It is an experience unlike any other. My uncle, his favorite place, the same uncle uh, who's the French horn uh, okay. degree, his favorite place in, in the world is Amsterdam. It was the first place that he ever traveled to outside the United States. So I told him I was going because, you know, whatever life, I booked this trip. Mm -hmm. He said, wherever you have a reservation, cancel it and go here. I said, but I've been looking at the Michelin star list, the, you know, top. Da -da -da. He said, I'm telling you, this place is so good. They stopped giving it Michelin stars because they didn't have enough to give to everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's like an OG, triple OG, mm -hmm. amazing place. They do a tasting menu only. So you can get four or five or six courses. That's all you pick. Mm -hmm. And the menu is a word cloud. So it's like a circle with just ingredients. And so what they'll do is, based upon the number of courses you pick, they use the ingredients in the word cloud to realize the number of courses that you've ordered. So if you order four, and you're sitting at the table with me, and I ordered six, your, um, your salmon dish is probably going to be different than mine, because you have four dishes, and I have it. Yo, I'm telling you, bruh. Anybody listening, if you ever go restaurant Vermeer in Amsterdam, you are fucking welcome. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to ask my wife. My wife's been to Amsterdam. I'm going to have to ask her if she's eating there because she wants to go back. But, for, you know. Yo, no, if she hasn't and y'all go back, 
trust me. Hey, look, I got my reservation like 10 days in advance. I tried to get it for like a Saturday. They were booked up. So I got it for Monday as my last full dinner before I uh, went to the airport and flew out on Tuesday morning or whatever. But bro, I mean, it, it's for the cost. Cause if, if you yeah, listed yeah. it, it sounds like it's for the cost. It it's for the cost a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I dropped a couple hundred euros yeah, for yeah. one person. You feel yeah. me? Like, so it, it's going to cost, but trust it is a culinary experience unlike any that I think you'll ever have anywhere else in the world in your entire life. Yeah, I got to go. I got to check that out. I have to check that out now. But then, matter of fact, let me write yeah. that down. Vermeer, V-E-R-N-E-E-R. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yep. It's in a hotel. I forget what hotel it's in, but it's right off one of the central, um, or one of the main streets facing Central Station uh, in like city center Amsterdam. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's so... Yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking back to, and they, they changed the menu because everything is like artisanal and seasonal and locally sourced. So the, the meal that I had, I'll never, like nobody will have it again because the, yeah. the spring menu is gone. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So the menu now is different because the ingredients are different. And then like, and it, it's, dude, I can't even like wrap my head around that. Cause here in America, like everybody's tripping off Fucking Popeye's chicken, chicken having some seasoning, and you're talking about a, a specially made. Hey, meat. I ain't hey, had it yet. Hey, that sandwich is sticking though. Hey, hey, I haven't had it yet. Hey, it's sold out everywhere. Ooh, I hey, dog, because I got one in Fort Lauderdale by the crib, and it's like a little. It's on a major street, but not like at a high traffic intersection, based right. upon where the Popeyes is. So I can go there right now and get three piece spicy and be back to the crib in like two minutes. Okay. But yo, like, yeah, and then that dropped. I was like, all right, I'm out running these errands or whatever. Let me go over here and see what this hitting on. But hey, hey, I'm gonna have to get it. Look, I feel, but I'll tell you what, though, I'm, I'm gonna keep it one. I feel like the people who are comparing it are lying, though, because I've never seen a Popeyes next to a Chick fil A. So one of them sandwiches mm-hmm. is gonna be cold. So that comparison, that comparison ain't fair. That, that comparison ain't real. Like, you, you heard it here first. I mean, like, there's like, think about it. You ain't never seen one next to an. You've never seen a Popeyes next to a Chick-fil-A ever in your life. No, you haven't. I'm trying to think of where the local, okay, no, I know where my closest Chick-fil-A, nah, you're still talking, you're talking at least seven minutes. That's, that's a difference. Mm-hmm. That's a difference. Closer to 10 almost yeah. to get from the Popeyes to the Chick-fil-A. And then that's another little bit to get back. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you, the thing is, if you go from Chick-fil-A to Popeye's to the crib, I think that could work. You couldn't get the Popeye's first. Yeah. No, that, you no. Nah, you couldn't do that. No, nah, see, so like I live, so like I said, I told you, like I, I, live, I grew up in South Florida. Now I live in a small little town by Ocala. About, probably about, it's called Bushnell. It's probably 35 minutes okay. south of Ocala. It's in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like we got, got about five acres, so it's cool. I love it. It's country living with a city, with a, with a city boy. It's, it takes some getting used to because not used to not having no street lights for about four miles. That gets a little Ooh. weird. Yeah. But when yeah. it's hey, Ken, when I tell you it's dark at night, bro, like you could have light outside your house where the light stops, the light stops. Like there's no ambient uh, lighting past that. That it gets no, it, it, it gets dark. I mean, that's that light pollution. And like when yeah. I went to band camp up at Interlocking, bro, hey, it was like that. Like, yeah. you know, it was it's in the middle of the, the woods in north, uh, northwestern lower Peninsula, Little Michigan. So, yeah, like once those lights go out at camp and everything, and you don't have 
the light pollution yeah. because dog, you can see so many stars, man. It's like it's yeah. yo, it, you know, it's different. It's different. It's different. But I got I'll go outside like when I walk my dog at night and I look up, I was like, yo, all these stars have always been here. Like it just feels like it's not real. Yeah. It's crazy. And I know people are like, man, they talking about everything but sports, bro. We giving you this work. Like, hey, this is yeah. a this is a top tier podcast. We're talking about music, the history of music. Yep. Uh, we didn't talk about travel. We didn't talk yep. about some food. We didn't talk about light pollution and the number of stars that your black ass don't see because you live in a city. Look, we don't get that anywhere else, man. Yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy that fifty first floor on Brickle, but you can't see shit past it. That's crazy, right? No, nah, but that view though is probably pretty. That decent. view, that view is everything, though. Man. I got a couple. I got like an uncle that lived in Brick. I was like, okay, this is cool, but this is very high up. Like, this is this ain't that cool. If this shit just decided to fall one day, this kind of boy, hey, man. And and that's the thing, like with uh with flying. Hey, that's the thing we just don't talk about, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like my, I'm like, just gonna enjoy I, this place. Like, like my uncle lives. My uncle's a trip, man. My uncle lives on the forty second floor with with his with my aunt, right? And he won't he won't go like he won't go to like the the the, the sliding glass door. Cause he's so afraid of this. Like, why'd you? Why, why are you up here then? Like, what's the point? Like, what did you remember yeah. that you're afraid of heights, bro? Like, he's like, nope, I, I can't do it. I can't do it with a heavy ass cube. Hey, man, I look. I, I I had a girlfriend one time who lived down there, and she lived on like the 27th floor, and she was playing around. So I was going out to the little patio thing. And she wanted to do the thing, you know, that you do with your cousins, where you like put your foot out real quick to fake yeah. trip them, yeah. boy. I almost yeah. fell and I grabbed onto the corner that there. I said, I looked and she was like, yo, I didn't think I was like, man, don't don't, don't play. play. <laughs> like, man, nah, that, that ain't play play time. No, nah, that, that no, you don't play with heights. Play I don't, I don't nah. play about money, about heights, and then I don't play about that shit. I right, mean so, about flying either, apparently. Yeah, I, not not at all. Not at all. I I get <laughs> drugged up. Yo, like I legit before I started taking meds, like I legit would make myself fall asleep. Like that's what I would have to do. I was like, hey bro, you going to sleep. I don't care if you're tired, you you falling asleep now. So man, listen. Let, let's let's touch a little bit on this cane shit. So all right, come on. I wanted to talk more so because you know, like I said, you break down the analytics and all that stuff with Mark Rogers. Shout out to Mark Rogers though; he's doing great work with that. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk more about the bias of 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 Miami, right? Like I grew up. Like you can give me a different perspective because you grew up outside of Miami, right? Like when mm-hmm. you're in Miami, you feel like everybody hates this city, right? Like. We got like more, more recently. You had like Paul Feinbaum calling uh, Miami a third world program. You know what I mean? Like, That's and such all the, racist bullshit. Yeah, like I don't, I don't understand where it comes from because it's not, it's not about race, right? Because Alabama's literally ninety-eight. That football team, that all the black people that live in Alabama are on that football team. Let's, let's keep you know what I mean. And they bring a couple guys outside. So I got friends from Alabama. I know what it is, right? So mm-hmm. it's not, so it's not a race thing. I, I've never understood where where that came from like i talked to my friends who like were from new york and they they're transplants they're like nah man you're being crazy i was like dude like this is legit like you act like they didn't the the ncaa didn't rewrite their rules to to go against miami like that legit happened like that no other program can do that and miami is a small is a small school with a huge fan base because of the city because we attach ourselves to it like that's unlike any other program so I don't I don't understand yeah, where man. it comes from, man. Like if you can give me a little history on that, because it's fucking ridiculous. Like I don't know how else to say it. Like how does he get away with saying that shit and none happens? 
Yeah, I mean, because he Feinbaum is worth more to ESPN, you know, there than not. You know what I mean? They 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 look at it in, in dollars and cents. And I saw Mike Ryan, you know, producer of the Lebertard show, uh, who was very critical of what Le- uh, what uh, Feinbaum said. He's the first person on there talking about, oh well, you know, I accept this apology. I'm like Mike Ryan because you work for ESPN. You have to. Yep. You're going to see what the company, you know, that, that's literally the company line. Yep. And if that's what you're doing, fine. But don't pass it off as actual, like, feeling. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's racist bullshit. Yep. Everything the fine bomb says. Yep. And those people, they overlook race in the pursuit of greatness with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because for years, they all suck. those Southern schools suck. did not integrate their teams. Yep. And that's when you had all, if you look at the list of Hall of Famers who went to HBCUs, that's because they couldn't go to state schools. You know what I mean? Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley State. Um, And that's just one. Walter Payton went to HBCU. I mean, there's so many guys, I mean, who just, who couldn't have gone to their Tennessee. Robinson at uh, at Grambling, right? Like, he built. And that's what I was going to say. Right, exactly. Because, hey, look, y'all don't want us. We're going to be over here waxing everybody ass. We're going to take all the best athletes. They're going to be at Grambling. They're going to be – and that's when the Bayou Classic, Grambling versus Southern, that's why it is on NBC every year. Now, the bands are amazing. They are yeah. wonderful. And Spencer Hall just wrote a piece at Banner Society about the human jukebox, the Southern University marching band, which you need to read if you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. But it's not because of that that it's on TV. It's because those were the best teams of any HBCU around. If you even look to FAMU back in those days, you look South Carolina State, Howard, Hampton, all these schools, they had squads because nobody in the, the public school kind of world, in the PWI world, would take them. And then they said, you know what, look, LSU was, the, was one of the main first ones to, to start to integrate. Because if you have enough players that you have Southern and Grambling going on national television once a year, with their full rosters and winning HBCU national championship year after year after year after year, and LSU was the big state school in the state of Louisiana, why are we not good at football? So we're going to do that. So everything the fine bomb said, honestly, it's based based in racism, and I'm not afraid to say it. And if people – I I had to block a couple people because they're saying, oh, well, prove it. I don't need to. Like, the proof is in the pudding. It's right there over the course of years. And that hatred is furthered, I think, because of something that you said earlier about the city of Miami, because this is a place where people come to vacation. They are jealous of, we live in paradise. We live where you vacation. You know what I'm saying? If you look at anybody's music video, they got a yacht. They're pulling up to live on Sunday. They got whatever. They on South Beach. They doing eh, eh, all that. But you're stuck in Podunk, Iowa, yep. somewhere off of an interstate in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. Y'all are jealous of that. Yep. And I think that that's where a lot of the hatred comes from, just because you're, you're hating on the other man just because of what they have. And what we have is the location in which we live. Yep. And on top of that, you extend that out. The University of Miami was not supposed to, Mm-mm. at any time, be the national powerhouse that we became. And so when that upset the power structure of college football, again, I'm from Michigan. 
the greatest and best. Hail to the victors, Valiant. All, if you want to go back in the history of college football, I believe Michigan still has the most wins ever. Notre Dame, mm-hmm. you know, up there also. Penn State, all these other fuddy-duddies up there and everything. That's who it was supposed to go between. Maybe a USC because they started a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Michigan, okay, you integrate those schools in the South, so maybe they get a little taste of this, a little taste of that. Cool, cool, cool. But again, Howard Snellenberger, made the state of Miami, that I-4 corridor south, and he made this team urban. The team was of the city of Miami, just like in that way you're talking about, that the fan base, it is not necessarily born of a huge alumni base because uh, Miami is still only a 12,000 student undergrad population to this day. Yep. So the or the fan base is more so the people of the city of Miami, the yep. soul of the city of Miami coming out, and that's what they hate because okay we'll go vacation down there we'll take you know a trip to you know whatever we'll do something like that but shut up phone um but yeah that's where i think the hatred comes from and miami we didn't have a slow build necessarily howard schnellenberger came down here and within three years we kicked down the door won a national championship and we're off and running and have six of them right now um i know we're probably gonna talk about that later but you know what i mean but like dude like, we didn't wait. It wasn't kind of a halfway in, halfway out. It wasn't, you know, for for the guys who were listening, you know, the, the Man Chatter podcast, you know, you, you remember when your voice changed and you got those, uh, you know, you got those voice cracks. Yep, yep. Miami as a football program didn't have no voice cracks. Howard Schnellenberger came in, bomb, and then we were off and running. Yep. And that's the thing that they hate. So this microwave dynasty, this thing that has popped up since, you know, in, in our lifetimes, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, we didn't have 70 years of a lead up. You know, Michigan won the national championship in 1997. Before that, I think the last championship was in the 60s or something like that. Yeah. So it had been some years they paid their dues and da 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 da. Miami, we had to pay no fucking dues. No. We came in and kicked the door down and we took the shit. And I think that's what really pissed people off. I think that's still the hatred that people have, you know, all these years later. And you have these sycophants like a fine palm and everybody else saying this bullshit about, first of all, the University of Miami of institution to which most of them could not even gain acceptance if they were to apply to, if we're being real about it. And they're disparaging all these players because like you wear a gold chain. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Demetrius Jackson, who was on the team for years, like he's from Overtown. He's back coaching the Booker T he's running for house representative. He wants to be, you know, Senator, you know what I mean? Like he DJ's, he has those kind of aspirations. DJ's doing great work, man. Like I, people don't give. I it just listen. It, I'm cooking right now, right? Like I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm and I'm and I feel everything. But it just it's a level of ignorance that I've never understood, right? Like I grew up, and in it's this. willful ignorance too. It is. It's yeah, like they don't. It, yeah, it's ignorance. So like I think what I think about Miami, and. I'm not going to listen to you try to tell me different. I'm not going to read anything different. I am being willfully ignorant so that I can opine on this bullshit narrative that I've built up in my head. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like seeing the cute girl in the party, right? And then she leave out. Like, man, stink ass bitch anyway. I don't want to talk to her. She ain't want to look over here. You even know that her grandmama died and she got dragged out by her her girls to the party. And she's like, bro, I got to go. Like, I'm not even out here for that. But you build it up in your head so then you can tell the homeboys, Man, I saw this bad one, but you don't. Know, but you yeah, didn't yeah, even yeah. go over there. You didn't even talk to her. You didn't even get the story. You didn't get the nine one or the four one one details. But you can go out and you gonna talk this bullshit. So everybody that you get to thinks what you think based upon nothing but an exterior look. 
Nothing. And that's what the fuck pisses me off. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent real. Like it's I'm I don't think there's another program that the that these haters and these bitch ass oh motherfuckers. Just yeah, because I'm trying not to cuss as much, but fuck it. Like it is my podcast, I can do whatever the fuck I want. That was that's also that aspect of it. Let's go. Let's go. It's these people, like it doesn't make sense to me because like this is the only team that they fucking root for to to watch them to watch them fail. Like no other team what the hell? No other team is like that, man. Like nobody watches Alabama or or, or the, every every other team you're indifferent towards. There's a reason why you put right. Miami on against Florida and it's your highest rated game. Nobody gives a fuck about Florida. Florida could have played Auburn, they wouldn't have cared. You put that shit on SEC right. Network, three people will watch it. They don't they don't matter. Okay. It's it's Miami. Miami's the brand. And I like I was just looking at it like, man, am I being biased about it? But you Miami is <sighs> The Floyd Mayweather, right? Like you watch them to watch them fall. Like you don't you don't watch them to to willfully watch them win and hope they come back. It's why you talk shit after Sean Taylor passes away and saying, "Oh, maybe yeah. he was kind of putting." And that's and that was Mike Wilbon that says that shit. So it's not even so. It's, that it's, was Wilbon, and it was uh, Skip Bayless. Yeah. So oh, maybe he was. Doing, wrote a piece so about he was that. at his house protecting his family. Like it becomes this thing again. It's like you have you have black players in every other school now. And it, it becomes this this anecdote to just shit on Miami. It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. It doesn't like no, nah, it doesn't, and it's not going to, you know. And it's 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 again one of those things where they have it built up in their head. and They're going to say what they're going to say, um, absent any controversion, absent any you know other kind of uh, information that's out there. And it just you know everybody wants to say that Miami is irrelevant and everything because Miami has not been good. To a championship caliber in 15 years, mm-hmm. but love us or hate us, you gonna watch us. Yep. And if you look at all the metrics that ESPN puts out annually, and we've written about it, I've seen them. Everybody talks about it. Thursday night football, highest rated games yep. ever. We have a Friday night game, not a Thursday night game this year, but still, that's gonna draw eyes. And it did when we had it before. You know, the showcase game in week zero. And yeah, I know that there was Arizona, Hawaii super late that night. No. Wasn't nobody really talking about that. No. Wasn't nobody, you know, oh, well, I can't wait till, you know, 1130 Eastern time. <laughs> nah, because now if they wanted to, they could have had that game at Arizona and put it earlier. Yep. But why? Yep. Because we got the you yep. on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's whoever else. Like, we're still, I mean, yeah, Miami needs to get better to be a bigger draw. But even still, people conflate being irrelevant with being, you know, not good. Um, and the performance has not been to the stand, Miami's standard in the last, you know, m- the majority of the last 15 years. Yeah, we've lost way more games than we should have. We've lost teams that we should not have lost to. But y'all all know that because y'all watch. Don't even get me started on Cincinnati. Bro, hey, that, hey, listen. That was one of my favorite recaps I ever wrote for State of the U. I put the score. It was like it was like 12 words. Yeah. I was like, Miami lost 31, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything sucks. Bye. Yeah. And yeah. that was literally the entirety of the recap. And there is, and I, when I go into the metrics on the website, I still see people clicking on that every day to this day today yeah. from that game years ago. Because, yeah, yeah look. Don't rise to the occasion, fam. I know. Who says that? 
Don't what like why why would you even make it an occasion if you're not going to rise to it? Why why even you know make I mean? that speech? Like what kind? Of, hey, uh, so you might be doing some work, but don't do it. The fuck kind of like that's only Look, top I'm saying five. like it just. Ugh. I mean, I'm I've lost the hairline struggle. I am bald. I shaved my head now. Like my hairline was receding. I saw it was going. I yeah. came on home. I did that. Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying for you, boss, you ain't get a tight tight yeah. fade for yeah. your wedding. You yeah. ain't get a real fitted, you yeah. know, you ain't rise to that occasion. You ain't step up for a big day with your queen coming down here to, yeah. you know, cement your lives together. You ain't step out in something brand ass new to raise your level to a level that it hasn't been raised to because you have never been married to this woman before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But and so, but Al Golden's talking about, hey, bro, you got some, them old jeans and a t-shirt in the closet. Why yeah, you they, even they, run a tuxedo for the... Fuck you mean, bro? Yeah, yeah. I rise to the occasion because it's an occasion. I yeah. get up for a game because it's a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I can go back to so, so many losses when it, it almost felt like that don't rise to the occasion reverberated for several different coaching staffs, right? Like it was except like you could put that on maybe the Notre Dame game two, three, what's it, three years ago. That was like yo, uh, yeah, two, two years. years. Yeah, two years. I watched that game at a wedding, like on my phone. Like I was legit at the table. Like, I was at my friend's wedding. I was like, hey, listen, uh, y'all playing this around the wrong game. Like, we played Notre Dame for the first time in a while. And because I, I think we played them, like, the year, two years before when we lost with Brad Kaya, that weird game. So, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm watching the shit out of this game. Like, I remember I jumped up when, like, they were having a moment when Trajan Bandy hit that, got that pick six. I was like, oh, listen. shit. Oh, hey, man, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even know y'all was having this right now. Okay. Uh, my homeboy from the website, Matt Washington, he lives in Toronto. Um, he became a Canes fan basically through being a Ravens fan. So Ed Reed, oh, Ed Reed. Ray Lewis, whatever. Ray Lewis, yeah. Right. So he flew down for that game and then he got tickets for us in the first row right there. And we were behind the Notre Dame offense uh, for that play. Mm -hmm. So as it happens, he starts hitting me. He goes, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, before the pass it was even thrown. Because you saw, like, because we were looking at it, Bandy's already, like, you see the play where he's coming across in front of the receiver already. And it's going up the opposite sideline, but coming our way. Ed Reed was at that game, and he's talking to Maria Taylor at that time. Yeah. He's, he does like you in a moment. He's on the microphone. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, shit. He hops over the retaining wall. Yeah. He comes to our row. And he's dapping everybody up in my row, coming down. And we got these two. And so, first of all, that was amazing. Like, I dapped up Ed Reed during yeah. Trajan Bandy's touchdown return. Yeah, that's crazy. And we got these two old octogenarian Notre Dame fans, these buddy-duddy dudes. And they're just sitting yeah. there all sour-faced and everything. And my boy Matt is a big – I mean, I'm like six feet tall, probably about 260 right now. I need to lose some weight, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt is like 6'3 and a jacked 245. I mean, jacked. And so he's this big, um, and he's he's native Jamaican or uh, Jamaican Canadian. So he's a big black dude and everything, you know. Yeah. And he, he and he has a Canadian accent, which is hilarious. But he's screaming in these guys' face, "Oh yeah, oh yeah!" <laughs> and I'm like, I'm dying. I'm like, this big Afro Canadian dude is screaming in the face of these two Notre Dame fans. It was like, uh, it was like, it was a transformational moment. That was like. I know that last season was bad. I know that we went seven and six. I know we lost a whole bunch of games. We should. Basically, that we shouldn't have because we were favored in every single game in the regular season. Yep. 
But yo, that moment in 2017 was such a catharsis for my soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just, oh, it just, it felt so good. And like, you know, I, I still have it on my DVR, that game. Oh, yeah. If you watch yeah. that playback and the play-by-play, they did such a wonderful job. And shut the fuck up. Because yeah. they're like, nothing I can say can tell the story that is Better. being written yeah. by this, you know, packed house of, of oh, it was, oh. It was one of the, oh, one that was one so of the greatest. I, I still watch it. I still watch it back when, like, I watch pieces of it here and there just because it's one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Like, that felt like the Orange Bowl for the first time. Like, that's the first yes. time that, that stadium felt like the Orange Bowl. Like, I went to games at the Orange Bowl. Like, I was there. Mm-hmm. I was there for a couple of, I think I was there when they, I wasn't there when they played Florida State, but I, I forget who they played. But I, I remember I was in 2002. I was in Dope Campbell Stadium when they were feeling themselves because they were up at halftime. They were, we were playing Florida State. Right. And mm-hmm. I was sitting next to the man. I'm quiet because I'm with my No, home. no, no. 2000 was here. So that had to be 01 or 03. The 2000, was it 2000? So 2000 was there. So what might have been? Oh, yeah. 02 oh, was uh, wide oh, left. You know, 01, 01, 01. 01, yeah. Yeah, that's when. So Ed Reed was, the, Ed Reed was still there. That's, so I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, dog. Yeah, I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. I, I used to have that as my intro. But like it, it, it didn't feel right just having that just there. So like I'll put, the, I'll add that into the different podcast. It's one of my favorite speeches of all time. Ah, damn. All right. So I'm watching that game and everybody's giving me shit. There's like the 75 year old white dude talking shit to me at half. Oh, I thought you guys were supposed to be good. I was like, hey man, I'm just sitting here minding my business. I'm sitting next to the band. Right. About three was it like six minutes into that third quarter? We ran it up on the ass. Like picks his turnovers. I'm like. Um, I'm sorry. What, what was that, sir? Sir, I, I didn't. I can't, I, I, can't, I, didn't, I can't hear you. Are, I can you can you, can you that, speak louder? Little, as your asthma attack. What's going on? What? Huh? What was that? I'm talking <laughs> all this shit, but I'm keeping it down because again, I'm by myself. My homeboy's going to Florida State, so I'm just I'm keeping it cool. Like he's he's a Miami fan though, so he just went there because you know it was cheaper. Just keeping it, it. It, it keeping it 100 with that one. So it's just like it's just I don't know, man. Like I I want us. To, I obviously want us to win again. And I, I see that – I see the difference now. Like, I like what the coaching staff said after the game one, calling out the players but not doing it like Mark Rick did as a scapegoat. Like, I felt like Mark Rick put the onus on his players and didn't take ownership and wasn't a leader the way he should have been. You know what I mean? Like, you can't you can't no, yeah. have 35 years of coaching experience and be like, nah, man, it's Malik's fault. Like, that's not – that's not right. – that's not you, I mean – you got to do things to, to help them out. And, I mean, I know everybody's talking about Dan Enos saying uh, Jaron Williams didn't play well enough for that's real, Miami though. to win. A, that's real. Yep. B, before that, Enos said he needed to do a better job. Yep. So everybody wants to take the sound clip and say, oh, he's throwing the players under the bus. You know, all these uh, dudes, even you know, guys who work in other people's recruiting departments talking about, oh, well, you know, Miami is going to have this yep. exodus of, of recruits and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you take any one sentence – Yep. You can make it sound like anything, but look at the complete answer. Listen to everything that Danny said, where he said, look, I got to do better. I should have probably done some things. Da, 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 da. That's true. And both things can be true. Danny knows could have needed to be better. And Jerry Williams could have needed to be better. Yep. Those are not, you know, mutually exclusive things. Nope. And I appreciate the fact that both of them owned up to it. Yep. Uh, and then Jaron, for his sake, he's like, yeah, Dan Enos or Coach Enos, because obviously he's not going to call him Dan. No, he's like, Coach Enos Dan. is coaching me hard, yeah. but that's going to push me to greatness. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, when I taught, I taught hard. I didn't – I mean, there would be some days where, you know, it'd be all kiki kaka jokes. But yeah. some days, hey, y'all little motherfuckers need to shut the fuck up because we got work to do. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? That's like, real, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's mad real. So, yeah, you know, I think that Mark Rick at the end, look, he just didn't have it in him to fire his kid. Yeah, that's And it. I get it. Yeah. And I said on many places, I wrote it. I said it on Mark Rogers. I said it on all kinds of different podcasts, radio shows. Blah, blah, blah. All he had to do with all that experience in coaching, Mark Rick, that is, mm-hmm. is call a friend and be like, hey, yo, yep. I need a spot for my boy. Get yep. him, quote, unquote, promoted out. Yep. So we get, even if it's a lateral move, yep. just get him a job elsewhere. Yep. And then you move forward. Yep. But, you know, you look at that. Okay. Even if you do that, you bring in a new offensive coordinator who's going to coach quarterbacks. That means that that player, that person is going to call plays, which means yep. that Mark Richt has to willingly give up play calling. Mm-hmm. And that means that you need to strip it. Well, no, you give it up. But then it also means you're not going to have Thomas Brown as the named offensive coordinator anymore. Which, which is the only reason he's stuck around because you were able to give him that compensation bump because yep. he had offensive coordinator on his duties, even though yep. he didn't call plays. Mm-hmm. So now you need a new running backs coach. Okay. Well then offensive line wasn't good enough. That means Stacey Searles needs to go. Yep. That means like, so the majority of the offensive staff literally had to go. I know everybody looks at, Oh, it was just, he wouldn't fire John. That was no, the that main part really. of the equation, yep. but it wasn't all of it. You know no, what I mean? And no. he just, that's a heavy lift. That's a big rebuild. And it also would have chipped away at Mark Rick's security in that job, if you want to call it that, yep. because we, Miami needed him at the time that Miami got Mark Rick. Yes. So he was able to leverage things that he wanted, like yep. more money for the assistance. I'm going to name who I want to name as offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, which was Ron Dugans, run game coordinator also, which I forget who that was. Uh, but you give those extra bumps. And then I'm calling plays and you're not going to strip it away from me. So now you put the, the power emphasis on Blake James, where he would have had to go in and say, no, I'm revoking that from you, which is a power play that I'm not sure that Blake James wants, wanted to do. Cause he, Blake James was looking at it. Like this is still Mark Rick, you know, uh, uh, he's a Mark Rick for all his faults was a great coach. Right. And I get, uh, uh, he's on the Mm -hmm. back nine of his career. Who wants to do a whole rebuild? When the year before, yes. when he could kind of cop out, like, look, we were ten and three last year. This just takes a little bit, little bit of tinkering, and I give him that. So that that aspect of it, I get. But where I, where I will give him credit, which I literally just thought of as we were talking, is the fact that he fought for his his coaches to get paid more, which is what put us in the position to afford the coaches we can afford now, right? Because like, look, now yeah, my, I mean, that now was Miami's paying. Now we that's how we right. got it, Daninos. Because I'm gonna tell you, I'm. I did not expect this shit at all, Cam. Like, I didn't see Danny. No, I mean, an Alabama guy? Like, put Alabama aside with all their no-name players that don't really factor in the NFL. I'll shit on them later. You know what I mean? Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, it just they don't don't factor. They're just regular guys. They're just going to be guys that show up with a jersey, play five years, and they're out. There's no Ed Reed's coming out of there. There's no Ray Lewis. You can't name one, right? Like, you can't name a standard Alabama player. You got a couple of the receivers now who are pretty damn good. Yeah, um, uh, I will give you that. The receivers, Julio, yes, right? What? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the. But like, yeah, I mean, for a lot of the other guys, they're just dudes. You know what I mean? And I agree with you. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. We didn't. I mean, our guy Justin Tatavio over at State of the U, he profiled a bunch of guys uh, to be Miami's potential offensive yeah. coordinator. I read every major Apple White. Yeah, right, major Apple White who interviewed twice. Yeah, um, you had. Um, Sean Gleason from Princeton and everybody laughed at us about that but now he's the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State and they did numbers in the yep. first week 
So yep. I re-upped that piece and said, hmm, everybody wanted to call us a hack publication. Nobody knew their stuff. Nobody's ever played or watched or anything football. Yep. Yep. But this guy is over here doing numbers now. Yep. Yep. And we told y'all about him way back when. Yep. In, in all those people that we profiled, Dan Enos never even crossed it, anybody's I, mind. So when, when Mark Rick stepped down and we're like, okay, we're looking for offensive coordinator. And that was like, I think it was like a two, three week search. At no point did I think, oh, we're about to get the offensive coordinator from Alabama. Like, that's like, right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a thing. Like, it's what? Like, hold on, wait a second now. I was like, when Manny did that, I was like, all right, Manny, I'm in. All right, I don't, I don't give a shit what else you do. And then you do great work on social media. You have that whole thing changed, give a whole new energy. And he's really changed it in that way. Like, I don't know. Like, I expect a lot from Miami every year, right? Like, especially this, this tissue, this soft schedule we got. I expect Florida to be the only loss till Clemson, right? I, I think Florida State is beyond dead. There'll obviously be a team that, like, sneaks up on us because they, they still want to play. Well, and, that, and that's where I'm going to cut you off. I think – I still said 10-2 and two before the season. Losing right. to Florida and then maybe one other – finding another loss that we shouldn't yeah, lose. We, yeah, absolutely. I stand by that. I would hope for 11-1, obviously, to run the rest of the table. The Florida State game, again – you it's have a to yeah. just it's a rivalry it's so different yeah. you know if you put up the stat profiles for the miami profile team and the florida state profile team in 2017 or 18 the last two years that miami's won those games mm-hmm. you would have picked the miami profile team to win by four touchdowns both years yep. but what happened a last second win and yep. a last basically second win where we had to just play defense the last few minutes and run out the clock you know the kid or and everything but mm-hmm. Everybody's always said that Miami and Florida State play uh, different. You that's know what a, I mean? No, that's one hundred percent a different game. Like that's where I, where I, but I put that on the kids, right? Like that's because these kids know each other. I don't. I want to put that so much on the coach. You get it's what I'm every, saying? It's everybody though. No, like I mean, there's been coaches, staffers, players. Yeah, like, it's always everybody associated with it says this game is different. Everybody knows it. And even if you go back to the losing streak that Miami had. Yo, we right had there. Florida State dead to rights. Not yep. even right there. Yep. I mean, but like 2014, Hard Rock Stadium. Yep. Like, we had that. I mean, and again, Dalvin Cook, Miami Central High School, you yep. know, he ended up just taking over that fourth quarter. Yep. But we had them. We had that game. Yep. Braxton Berrios dropped that put touchdown in the corner of the end zone mm-hmm. or in the end zone that would have put us up bigger uh, and things like that. Like, I mean, that's a game that Miami had. Yep. 2015, again, you're in that game. 2016, the block at the Rock. Yo, you telling me we didn't have that game? Yeah. I mean, I we weren't able to punch it in, but, like, that's a game going back and forth. Like, yo, if that extra point is made and we go to overtime, we win that game, period. Yep. I, you cannot convince me that, of, that game. Of that. that game. But, again, those are, still, those are still games when Florida State coming in, the pro, especially 2014, the reigning defending national champions. We still got Jameis. We got uh, Dalvin. We're going to run roughshod over these dudes yep. from the U. And what happened? Nah, it was stone silent from the garnet and gold going yep. into that fourth quarter, and everybody wearing orange and green was jumping up and down because we had a lead to yep. close out, and we weren't able to close it out. Yep. And that was, again, not a great Miami team, nope. but was an ostensibly great Florida State team. Again, yep. the reigning defending national champions. That and that disparity playoffs. that made it back to the playoffs. And, right, and they and they made it back to the playoffs. But yep. we had that game and let him off the hook. Yep. Shout out to Dennis Green, God rest his soul. God but that's him. the kind of thing that happens in this rivalry. So I mean, just to blindly 
uh, push them off? Is it not being possible this year? I, no, no. I, I can't do it. No, let me let me let me reel that back in. At no point would I ever like just push them off, but I will okay. laugh at them for that stupid ass mask that they wore. I, I can do that. Oh, that was terrible. What? Like, first I'm gonna laugh at them for losing to Boise. For how do you lose to Boise State? And then for, I didn't watch the game because who cares about Florida State? I'm not watching them unless they play Miami. Right. I'm not going out of my way. You had that terrible. You had that terrible backpack last year. Now you have this mask. Then you lose to Boise State on top of that. There, that game is gonna be crazy. That game is gonna and game, blew and blew a huge lead to lose. By the way, they, they were up, they were up 17. I read like I read the the because I was like I couldn't believe they lost to Boise State. So I'm, so that 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 game aside, that's where I put it. I think this is a successful season, realistically. Right? If I take off my like Miami fandom, orange and green bleeding, I say like I would say ten and three in total, like because that Clemson game, that. Mm-hmm. But I could, I could. There's this part of me, and this is the the Miami side, that thinks that that Clemson game, if Miami's in it, which they should be, right? Which they should be. I think that Clemson game might be a coming out party. Because at that point you have, I, I would I have, hope so. I hope I have Jaron because that's thirteen games in with his. If he doesn't get hurt or anything, you know what I mean. Like if he stays good, that's thirteen games of experience. That's that's going to be a different Jaron Williams. That clock is going to get a little bit faster because, mm-hmm. bro, did he hold on to that ball too long? That, I'm screaming that in my house over and over again in the opener. Even again, if you just throw it away on second on first and ten, then you have second and ten as opposed yeah. to second and sixteen. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. it just it didn't yeah, it, there, there was a lot of that. I was like, you have to realize that your O line can't stop these guys. You gotta get a little faster. You can't hold on to the ball that long. So that that's gonna get quicker, even what I expect in this game. It, I don't know, I don't know. I gotta read up on North Carolina, which I'll check it out on State of the U and see what that D line is like. But I don't think they're gonna be like Florida. You know what I mean? There, there's no there's no defensive line that we're gonna face that has the talent of, of Florida. So um, Clemson. So I mean, until Clint, right in the regular season is what I was yeah, gonna say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they had beasts on both sides. You know, Grenard and Zuniga uh, mm-hmm. obviously created uh, havoc and just fits uh, for the offensive line. Um, there is a Deerfield Beach native, Jason Strobridge, uh, who's a senior for North Carolina, number fifty-five, who's pretty decent. Um, and I mean, look, they're scholarship players, so I'm not gonna call yeah. them trash or anything. No, like, they're not, not like this. I mean, this is not Bethune Cookman level savannah state level you know just name your score 84 to nothing kind of a yep. game um but yeah miami should be able to to step up and have a hopefully better performance uh on on this weekend uh you know just moving forward and then again you know just got you have to use every game as a stepping stone to build yep. forward and you know i'm i'm to the point where i almost have clemson ptsd because I was there for 58 nothing. I went up to Charlotte for the ACC championship game in 2017, which was 35 to three, which would have been 35 nothing if not for kicking that field goal hella late in the fourth quarter. Um, So, yeah, I mean, all those points, you know, whatever, 93 to three, I was there live and in person for both of those. So uh, I approach them with a level of reverence that I don't give many um, because, like, I've seen – what the Clemson death machine can do that's, to a Miami Hurricanes team. That's that, like, I give, I give Clemson so much more credit, like, because they're also in that, in that same, like they're the team that's not supposed to be doing it. Like I could watch them right. and appreciate them more. Cause I was like, Oh man, you little brother. All right. You, you done grown up. Cause Clemson was nothing. till we came. Like, I don't remember Clemson ever. Like, honestly, like I don't remember. I them mean, being, 
like right. I mean, there was some a couple decent years. You know, they had C.J. Spiller, they yep, had yep. Charlie Whitehurst. You know, so you you talk a couple eight nine win seasons, but they but, were never this. They were never they, look, like. This. I mean, and I went to that Orange Bowl when West Virginia blew them out because again, I worked at Miramar High School. Right. I got tickets from the football coach because that was Geno Smith, Stephen Bailey, Ivan McCartney, uh, and a couple other guys who were walk-ons or like preferred walk-ons on that team. So I was like, cool, I'm going to go see, uh, you know, these kids whose games I announced in high school and, like, who I know from, like, around the way. I'm going to go watch that. And I remember I – mean, and that was when they debuted that touch pass to Tavon Austin. Yeah. And I think that West Virginia scored again from that Orange Bowl all those years ago. So mm-hmm. I went into the 2015 game talking a little shit because, like, yeah. hey, the last time y'all came down here, y'all got right out of the building. And, yeah, one of their journalists or uh, guys from their uh, SB Nation blog, he was like – we don't talk about that. It's not about that. You're going to see that. And I was like, okay, well, you, you're upset. He was like, no, we've just moved on. I said, yeah. oh, okay, you know, hashtag Clemsoning, y'all going whatever. Shh, they Clemson that ass, boy. I yeah. said, oh, I said, yeah, oh, I, I, I see what he was talking about. My, that, my that, bad. That 58 nothing was was crazy. Like, that, that's, I, pre- I appreciate Clemson more than I appreciate, than I watch Alabama. Alabama's just, uh, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I get it, but there's there's no, like, you you watch you watch. I guess I appreciate the quarterback play more now. They got now they got Tua. You know what I mean, and he's solid. Mm-hmm. But they haven't had like I don't know what he's gonna be in the pros, right? Like you mm-hmm. you see Clemson, and you see like proven commodities. You know what I mean? Like they right. have they have some guys that come out that are real time game changers. Like that that freshman last year, that freshman wide receiver that made that one handed catch that was just falling. Justin like, Ross. Yeah. yeah, I'm just watching these dudes. Like, hey man, ho- wait a second now. And then what? Then you dig in deeper. It's like, oh, you, you think that like, oh, Miami could have had him. I mean, like with all these players that they kind of not not Justin Ross specifically, well, but like these right. South Florida kids, right? Like they they missed, Ooh. so they're they're re entrenching themselves, which Mark Rick started, mm-hmm. and Manny Diaz is obviously keeping on. So like, oh, yeah, you have these players that you kind of you kind of want to get, but you know you can't get them all, right? Like. You can't get them all, but Miami needs to get a bigger share of the top-end guys. Yes. So, you know, like Frank Ladson, who's a freshman at Clemson this year, was a four-star, borderline five-star guy, you know, 6'4", up to 200-pound wide receiver. He's out there making one-handed touchdown catches in their opener. Ho-hum. You know, no big deal. Um, But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you just got to start to get – and, I mean, recruiting was where I started blogging. That that is my first love, just coming over from the NCAA video game and things like that, just following it in real life, the way, the neurotic way that I would do it in the games and everything. And I mean, I've written two things about it. Number one, uh, this year I wrote a feature talking about how a championship team uh, or teams to raise the level of their performance, they recruit South Florida. And I mean, all teams, you'd look at championship teams, you look at Mac teams who are just trying to elevate a little bit, Akron, um, you know, Toledo, all these, there are players down here that people are going to get. So I urge you to go read that. Also, I wrote a feature last summer called The Recruiting Rules where I talked to a bunch of different recruiting journalists and gave my own uh, feedback as well about, you know, basically the nine things that teams do to build a championship roster. And, yeah, I mean, it is – if you look at it and put those two things together, focusing in South Florida, that's where you're going to get your game changers. Yes. It just is. Your Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cooks, your Frank Ladsons, you know, Lamar Jackson is from Boynton Beach. Um, I know that – most teams didn't think that he was a quarterback coming out. Miami contacted him really late as a potential ad in that class. And, you know, we'll try him a quarterback, but likely moving to wide receiver. But 
even still, he's a guy from down here. All the kids from Aquinas, they go everywhere. Jordan Battle, a safety at Alabama, he had an interception. Tyreek Stevenson, Pat Sertan, the list goes on and on of these elite, uh, uber elite the, guys. Pat, was it Patrick Peterson? Like, because he had a different, he like changed his name when he went to LSU. Patrick Johnson Patrick was his Johnson. name at the time. And then he yeah. changed it to Pat Pete uh, yeah. from Pompano Ely. And I saw him in high school play against Miramar. And that dude was like, you ever seen that Bugs Bunny cartoon where he plays baseball and it's first base Bugs Bunny, second base Bugs Bunny, third base yeah. Bugs Bunny? Yeah. Yeah. That was Pat Johnson, now Peterson, yeah. for Ely. Like yeah. he literally, and I charted it because I was announcing the game on the microphone uh, in the press box. He played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, Kick returner, punt returner, defensive end, linebacker, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, corner, back, and safety. All in the same game. Like, for different snaps. I mean, it, it was insane, you know. Um, but it, it, those are just some of the guys that yeah. Miami has lost out on. And you, you cannot have real championship aspirations and not get any of the top guys yeah. at those positions for so long because you see them in these other places – literally changing the game yes. and that's where that's where things have to change you know getting a donald cheney from belen jesuit uh in this class i think is a positive step in that direction but there's so many other guys yes. you know what i'm talking about there's marcus rosemey from st thomas aquinas one of the best wide receivers in america where's he gonna go georgia so even in this same class you're still having that talent drain and it's not just georgia or alabama or clemson it's all of these places, Ohio State, they come down, they get Marcus, uh, whatever his name is, the running back from Jacksonville, who's committed to Miami for the longest time. Yeah. He waits to the end. He says, yep, I'm going to go to O-State. Okay, see you, bye. So, boom, that's another top-tier guy who you're losing. Yeah. So, yeah, getting the foundation of the ro- – the foundation of the roster is always going to be local. It always is going to be local. It always should Just be. because that's the way that teams recruit. And by local, I mean – in the case of South Florida, it's going to be in the Tri-County area. Or for Miami, it's going to be in the Tri-County area. For teams like Alabama, the majority of their team is going to be from Alabama, Mississippi, maybe a little bit of Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. You know, like that's their local-ish area. Now, it's hyper-focused for Miami because Coral Gables is in the Tri-County area. So Broward, Palm Beach, and Dade, obviously you want to recruit from there. But you cannot continue to miss the absolute cream of the crop here when those are the best guys and you're having them go elsewhere you just you cannot continue to have that so yeah Manny Diaz has done a great job to build the base of recruiting but all these guys not all of them because literally there's too many blue chip four star and five star recruits for Miami or any team to get all of them but Miami has to do a better job of getting the players that they need at key positions to stay home that is absolutely job number one for Manny Diaz that's 100% right. It, it, like, you watching it, just like, you, like, I, as a fan, right, obviously you're more embedded than I am. So, it's like, as a fan, I was like, how, what, what are they saying in these in-home visits or the in-school visits that they're missing out on? Like, what, what is the factor that these kids are looking at? So, I have a, I have a, a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a teacher at South Dade, right? So, South oh, yeah. Dade, South Dade the last couple of years has been a solid, solid school, putting out some really good players. Right, so he had, that's Frank Ladson, if you're listening. That's Tyreek Stevenson, who ended up transferring to Southridge. That's yep. Jaden Francois. That's Keyshawn Washington in his upcoming class. It's um, what's his name? Uh, who's that? Uh, Juwan that Johnson's younger brother. Yeah, who's who's the corner that we had for for two years because he transferred in? Uh, damn, he's, he was Javante starting. Dean. Javante Dean, like he taught he taught him, 
You know what I mean? So like, right. so I mean, yeah, just just throwing out names. So people are like, oh, South Dade, who who are we talking about? Yeah. All those kind of guys. So all like, those kind of guys. You know. Yeah, game right. changers. Yeah, game changers. So the, these you got these kids, and you don't and like and what he will talk to them and be like, yeah, man, like these kids really don't know about Miami, because these are eighteen year old kids, and chances are they were born in two thousand one, two thousand two. So they haven't really seen Miami be relevant, and they've seen the forty-four to nothing of Virginia. They've seen the fifty-eight. You know, they've seen the fifty-eight nothing. They've seen the third. So when you say like, man, I want to, I want to go there. I want to. If I'm this top level, like I want to go battle against mm-hmm. more top level. Like you don't want to be the. You don't. They almost look at it like what he said. One of the players, I, I don't remember who said it, that told it to him. But it was like, I don't want to be the big fish, in a in a. I don't want to be the only big fish, man. I want to go compete. Like if I know it was just handed to me, it's not going to be fun. It's not. It's not. And, it's not, it's not going to make me better. And and their uh, you their staff and you know what I mean like all the stuff behind it like the mm-hmm. I can't think of the word but yeah the what was I gonna say oh Donald Cheney Jr. yeah five star recruit from Belen Jesuit he was in an interview or interviewed recently on a podcast or by Manny Navarro from the Athletic and he was talking about the fact that Donald Cheney Jr. as a current high school recruit had never heard of Willis McGahee yep. until like last year. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, hello. Yep. That's what we're talking about here in, yep. in real life. So yeah, for those of us of a certain age, you know, like older, obviously, like, yeah, I mean, I was a freshman with Frank Gore and DJ Williams in 2000. You know what I mean? Like, I remember yep. those guys on campus and everything. Like, I've been around, I saw them, all that. Da, da, da. These kids are like, Will, who, who, who's yeah. that? Willis, he did. He did something. He he had. He played in Miami. Did he? What? I mean, I think I've heard of him from my Madden game, maybe once or twice. But so they don't even know about the six touchdown performance against Virginia Tech. You know what I'm talking about? They don't even know about the the slip screen against Florida State. Yep. You know what I mean? They they don't even know that kind of stuff. These iconic plays and things that these guys did recently for the University of Miami. So I mean, it's incumbent upon the U to just rebuild that brand and push those things, but also say, you know. You, you do need to get multiple guys so that they're not the only big fish here playing yep. for the Hurricanes. And you push them and say, okay, cool, you're going to be one of the guys because we're also going to bring in yada, 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 yep. bah, and this is how we're going to take Miami back to those heights. So the way that we're talking about these guys, we're going to talk about you. Yep. But you have to win, which was the last rule of the recruiting rules because that is proof of concept. You can talk a big game all you want. Al Golden, low-key, recruited better than, Al, than Mark Richt. Yes. Low key, yeah. Except for his last class after he got fired, but yep. like go back and look at those classes. Oh, I, I did. They I didn't did. develop them. They didn't do a lot at all. At all. But yo, at all. at all. But he was the salesman able to get them in, and then it fell apart because there was no proof of concept in the terms of performance. Yep. That's where things also need to turn. So you do have to kind of start to see it before you can actually believe it, but you need to get the kids there to be able to do it. So is this kind of cyclical thing and going back to what you said, Hey, a 10, 11 win regular season this year in 2019, that's going to be huge for, I, I think this recruiting class is mostly set. So you're going to add maybe a couple of guys, but 2021 and 22, the subsequent years recruiting classes, if you have an 11 win season, this 12 win season this year, you push for a college football playoff spot, maybe and things like that. That's where the payoffs going to go. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. You go back to that old Golden rosters. Like he had, he had some players on it. Didn't didn't turn into anything. Didn't turn into the wins that it should have turned into. That's why we talked about mm-hmm. Cincinnati. But you like when you have these <laughs> when you have these assassins on defense, and you're like, yo, nah, man, read and react. Don't 
let the play develop, and then and then attack it. That's not ever been Miami in any way ever. We come in, we smash you in the mouth, we get all the penalties, and then we go home. That's who we are. Right. Exactly. Hit stick, bust stick, talk shit. Yeah. So we're going to go in there, we're going to hit you, we're going to tell you, tell you about it. Oh, you crying? Are you crying? Your girl going to see you crying. Where's she at? Point to her. Hey, yeah. what's up, boo? All right, I'm going to holler at you next play, playboy, and go back. That's what we do. And, yeah. and from a, a physical standpoint, Miami is usually a smaller team as opposed to some of these SEC teams yes. that have bigger physical guys. Yep. You know, we, we're recruiting guys to be defensive, like a Braylon Ingraham from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas last recruiting class. We were develop, or recruiting him to be that R.J. McIntosh kind of developmental but athletic defensive tackle. Right. He's playing defensive end and outside backer at Alabama. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. So that kind of tells you about the disparity of size, and that's fine. But we still have game-ready size. And, dude, but we're going to be quicker. And I love this defensive scheme. One gap, go. Because go. it's designed to have somebody behind you. Yep. So do your job. And I know you see, dang, well, uh, he went that way. Yeah, because your penetration, this B gap, made him go over there so that we're crashing down or scraping this outside backer. And he's yep. going to go make that play. But if you try to sneak a peek and say, okay, I'm going to deviate from the plan. I'm going to go inside. That, you know, hurts the integrity of the defense. And now you're going to give up a big play. But, yeah, that read and react two-gap pity pat bullshit that uh, D'Onofrio was running. Like, O'Nofrio. O'Nofrio. I don't – O'Nofrio, because there was no defense. Was no but, defense. I mean, yo, like, look, look back at the I – mean, he, got, he got fired real quick in Houston, and mm -hmm. I laughed when they hired him in Houston because I was like, oh, y'all are trying to ruin Ed uh, Oliver before he goes to the NFL draft. Yep. And, and did. But, yeah, if you look at all of the NFL talent on those teams, especially on defense, there's yep. no reason – that it should have been what it was, nope. but Mark, or sorry, Al Golden, again, kept bastardizing the word process mm -hmm. because I am and always have been a process-based person, but you have to evaluate the outcome of the process. Mm -hmm. If the result is not what you want, that means your process is flawed. That means you need to change the process to get a proper result. Al Golden kept preaching the prospect in, or the process in spite of poor results. Yes. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting it to change. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's what he was. Yeah. And that's, that's why he got ran out of town. And unfortunately, he is it, now the linebackers coach for my Detroit Lions. I can't believe he's team. When he, I just, I couldn't believe he got another job after that. I mean, I, I think a lot of what Al Golden uh, ran off for like the first, I want to say year or two, was that uh, mm -hmm. that clip, that little gift when he like, when somebody asked him, why'd you choose the University of Miami? He goes, uh, are, you are, you are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got it, guy. All right, we got it. And everybody wore the tie, and it was a good market marketing scheme with the T-shirts and all that. So I'll give them that. But, yeah, man. I, I mean, but that all, just to, to wrap that up, it also kind of speaks volumes in retrospect that he did not have a ready-made answer. Yeah. For, yeah. you know, why Miami? You know, and I get the, yeah, there's that video of, are you, are you kidding me? That kind of rhetorical, incredulous response. But, like, no, I'm not kidding you. Can you? please detail me some li a list of, yeah. of items. Like, why? Like, I, no, yeah, actually, I, this is not rhetorical. This is an actual question. Yep. Can you please detail me a couple of reasons why you chose the University of Miami? Mm -hmm. And he didn't have them. Nope. And that spoke volumes. Yeah, it did. Like, like, you see, like, you see Manny now. Like, obviously, you know why Mark Rick came back. Alum, you know what I mean? He, he did, like, Mark Rick, and you put the ending aside, like, him bringing the, the was it the, the sports, the sports center that they have there now, the, the athletic center. The, the IPF, yeah. Yeah, the IBF, they have all that. They have they, – he did great work in that aspect of it. So that's amazing. And he, he did that because that's going to be a game changer for decades to come, like having that kind, having that kind of place.
having that kind of facility. I mean, look, even right now, even with the threat of Hurricane Dorian yeah. off the coast, you know, yeah. just ravaging the Bahamas and prayers to everybody in the Bahamas. Oh, uh, and if you have anything that you can donate, please do. Because, I mean, to have a storm of that size, stop 48 hours. 48 hours. I've never seen it. No. And, I mean, just pictures and video of Abacoa and Grand Bahama Island. Just, oh, my God. The devastation mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Did you see the video? But Did even when they were like, where the guy was, like, on his second floor filming and the water yeah. was coming up. And then, like, the prime yeah, minister. Yeah, the storm surge was up to his second floor. Yeah. yeah. Like, so he has, so the prime minister was like, hey, guys, if you're going to go into your attics, make sure you bring an axe to hit the ceiling, to hit the roof, to bust through, yeah. to get on the roof. Like, what? First of right. all, who has an axe at that time? Like, because you don't think about it. Every storm ever comes in four to six hours later, it's gone. Right? Like, it, it right. Comes, Not it's this coming one. in and out. It's, oh, man. It's, but, and I say all that to say, even with that being very close to South Florida, like, you know, 90, 95 miles to uh, the Grand Bahama Island or whatever, mm -hmm. the University of Miami did not lose one second of practice time yep. in the pursuit of preparing for North Carolina because of the indoor practice facility. Yep. And like, even here at the house, at, at, at my house, like I'm looking out back and I'm seeing, like I went outside a little bit. I still got my shutters up and everything, but I went out yep. through the garage, the only way out basically. And I was like, cool. So that wind is gusting to 35. So yep. if you're further south and everything, maybe it's gusting to 40 or 50. I don't know. But you know where they were? Not outside on Green Tree. They were yep. inside the carousel for IPF, which yep. is there based upon the major infrastructure push of Mark Richt. Yep. So, you know, like even currently you see the, the positive payoff from him being here and the things that he helped, uh, you know, the infrastructure that he helped build it in Miami. So I definitely appreciate all of that. But yeah, Manny Diaz needs to keep pushing uh, the performance to, to new levels and that'll start. Yep. Uh, it needs well, to start with a win against North Carolina. Who was really to. smelling themselves after beating a bad North, South Carolina team. Yeah, like you saw Mac Brown dancing. I felt, I kind of feel bad. Like, hey, somebody should probably get him some, some oxygen. Like, I don't. Like, I thought he was trying to do it. Like, it was kind of weird. Like, all right, man, I, I see you, old-timer. All right. All right. Hey, man, we, we still put up the gifts and videos of Jim Laranega dancing after big wins. So, you know, hey, hey let Mac do his thing, bro. Hey, man, Jim Laranega's a legend, though. And so, so is Absolutely. Jim, Jim, Jim Laranega is that's, – that's my guy, though. You know what I mean? I, I make fun of – I'll make fun of other schools, but don't talk about my family. You feel me? <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, you know, that's like your brother calling you big head or something. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, your head is big. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Where you get off saying this, you know hey, what I mean? Man, this, this ain't for you, brother. I don't even know you like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Back, back that up, back that up. Back that up, player. Hey, man, so I heard you say earlier that you uh, play games, man. So what you play on? What You play PS4, Xbox, what you got? Yeah. Now, PS4, I've been uh, team PlayStation ever since uh, PS1. Yep. So just uh, continued with that. Looking forward to PS5. Uh, by the way, people who have put up the uh, picture of a prospective PS5 build, that's the developer build yeah. model. Like, they're just using it to develop games. That's not the actual retail model that's coming to your home. Of course not. So that one that kind of looks like a U or whatever, like, miss me with that. Y'all don't know games. Shut up. Yep. Um, but yeah, right now I'm really just playing uh, MLB The Show is my big one. I'm getting back into Gran Turismo because I watched that uh, Formula One show on Netflix. So oh, um, yeah. I've been watching Formula One racing uh, this season and then getting into back into racing games because I haven't done that in a while. Uh, the big one that I did, well, I mean, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm probably going to run that back from the beginning. That is uh, one of the greatest games I've ever played. That's, it that's was so much fun. That's what got me into gaming. Like, I remember my, my little brother has always been the bigger gamer, right? Like, because okay. I've always played, like, sport games. I always play, like, NCAA. Now, now right. I'm heavy into FIFA. Like, that's my shit. I love that over any nice. other game. 
So my brother started playing Red Dead. I was like, man, this is the crit. This is Red Dead, the original. And I was like, okay. man, that's crazy. And then, I, then when Red Dead 2 came out, I was like, man, I'm going to get that. And I've been playing that. I'll stay up yeah. way too late sometimes. Got to be up way too early. And just and just playing. I was like, man, because the graphics, I feel like I'm watching a movie that I get to participate in. It's crazy. Yo, the cinematic scenes, like when you press the, the middle button and it gives you the cinematic camera and they have the yep. integrated music as you're riding from place to place, like after a certain event in the story or whatnot. Yo, those look honestly like a movie. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, I love that game. Like I said, I, I'm very far towards completion in it. Uh, like I'm past the whole story. So I'm just trying to, you know, get all the Easter eggs and things. Yep. So I'm going to try to 100% it. And then I'm probably going to go back. And then they don't have New Game Plus where you start over with all your items. But I'm probably just going to run it back from the beginning again Mm -hmm. uh, just because I did enjoy it. And I missed out on a couple of things like throughout the course of the game that I want to try to do or just try to, you know, play it differently. Instead of doing the white hat where I'm just good all the way through, I'm going to do the black hat where I just go and I rob everybody. and Yeah, yeah, you got to live. So whatever. You got to live it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, look. It, I'm gonna be outlaw, like just the very epitome yeah. of that. So yeah, I'm doing just that, people in the um, face. like that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just for for a little stress relief, uh, Destiny and Destiny Two, uh, those are games that I played. Um, just going and shooting aliens. So uh, yeah, just a bunch of people online. You know, I have party chat. I've made good friends out of the party chats we're going through. So doing all the raids and uh, you know just playing whether it's crucible player versus player, I'm not the strongest in that anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to be pretty decent, like, um, golden I 64 and like oh, yeah. one of the early halos. Cause somebody had it in the dorm. I was yeah. pretty decent in uh, PVP. Uh, I'd taken a while off of first person shooters, uh, before I got back in with destiny. So I'm not the greatest, but if I go on a run, like I can get hot every once in a while. Um, you know, but like, yeah, I just, I like that kind of stuff. So, but I mean, you do have to have that kind of senseless violence, just like, you yeah. know, you had a bad day uh, in anything and like Loki, I actually kind of had a bad day today uh, before getting on here, but doing this podcast is a little bit better, but yeah, I'm gonna go on and I don't know if it's going to be RDR or Destiny 2, but I'm gonna go shoot some animated hey man, character if, in the face. I know yeah that. Man, if, if you ever have the time, man, I, like this new FIFA, FIFA 20, it, this wild, like you, if you give it, I'm telling you, give it a chance. I, I, I see it's, you. You no, gotta, it's just it's it's been so long since I played FIFA like that. Like I remember playing in my dorm room. I remember, you know, in the dorms, I would probably say FIFA 0203 back when I was in college. Mm. I was pretty decent then, but I really haven't played it since. Cool. And I bought one a couple of years ago and I was not good. And my homeboy came over his first time picking up the sticks. He's like, cool. So we're going on the left flank. We're going to switch that. Okay, cross, header, boom. And I was like, bro, just take the game. I'm not even going to fight you. Just like, you're way better than me. Like, and I'm over here trying to play defense and everything and literally just walk down the field right after the kickoff and score. I was like, nah, yeah, I'm good off that. Pass. So it would take, it, it would take an, a time investment for me to get decent no, no, with yeah, it, it but I might try it. So I, I, I picked it up again. Like, my, my friend's been telling me for years to get it. But I kind of fell off gaming just with, like, work and everything and, Doing all this, doing yeah. all this and that, and I was like, man, whatever. Like my brother ended up buying me the PS4 as a as a Christmas gift, and I got him some Beats headphones, right? So we did like expensive gifts for a expensive gift, and so he got me that. So the first thing I bought after Spider Man, which is a great game by the way, Spider Man is is, an, is a great game. Oh, my homeboy had. Oh, all my homeboys have that. They said Spider Man. Spider Man's crazy. I started yeah. playing FIFA, and I mean, I never really played it before, so I started from scratch. So it. Oh it, wow. Yeah, I started. So I'm playing. I'm playing on like. For like whatever rookie or whatever it is, like I'm starting at the beginning. Now I'm up to like mm-hmm. pro, where you're like you're battling into this one old games, and I mean you're deep in it. And the games are only like 11 minutes long, 
know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's a fast forward. It's a fast forty-five. So it's a right, it's, right. it's good and a, and a stress a stress release, you know. But you're in these moments like, oh shit! And then like I've been watching soccer or football, you know what I mean? The the European version of it for the last fifteen uh-huh. years. So I, like, it, okay. like you fall into it, you get to control these players, and then you get a better. But this new FIFA, you're gonna be able to play like five aside, like where you play like on a basketball size field, and you get to like okay. pass, you get to like pass off the, the the there's no out of bounds. You get to pass off the boards, and you get to have like all these crazy goals. So it's a totally different. So it's more of a freestyle oh. game. Yeah, bro. You, you watch someone on like the gameplay online, it's wild. Like I'm like this is a totally different game, and you get to control everything. You make your player. And you could do that. You could even play that online against other teams. So you could play, like, right. if you're Liverpool, Real Madrid, like all these big-time teams, you get you pick your five, and you go up against other players, and you build your team. Like, you're building your, your dream team. It's crazy. It's This, this one's different. This one's going to be crazy. No, I mean, I might have to check that out. But as you were talking, I was thinking about other games that I might be interested in. The one – and I played, like, one of the originals um, that I would love to get back into, Killer Instinct. Oh man, ultra! Yo, Yo. what? The first time I ever did an ultra, son. Oh, I would love that or uh, that new Mortal Kombat '97, whatever. Yeah, fam. Yeah, those. It's it, it's crazy because my best friend Nick, uh, he plays uh, you know those games like those fighting games and everything. So I went over to his place. He still lives up in, in Detroit or whatever. So I was up there. I evacuated for Hurricane Irma a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I went up there. Uh, and everything. So I was up there for like a week and a half, two weeks. It was awesome. So I go over to his apartment and he's always been like a tech forward person. So he has a, a projector. He doesn't have a TV. He's a projector and a big white wall. So it's literally like 10 feet wide of like everything that he projects up there. So he's going through and he was like, okay, I got to finish watching this video and I got to go practice. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, I practice at least an hour a day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So he's right. like, okay, yeah, but with the fighting games. And he's like, yeah, because you have like 12 frames to get the button press for the next part of this and if you're trying to counter it you have like a six frame window to be and i was like are you serious he's like yeah and i'm like so if you're going off the 60 frames per second you're talking you have like a tenth of a second and you have to press the button in that tenth of a second, that specific one, to enact the what. And it was like, oh, yeah, no, it's like that. So, like, this one has, like, an 18. And it's like, you know, it has a lag between the moves. So, you're doing this, and it has, like, a 22-frame lag between mm-hmm. button mm-hmm. press and then the initialization of the move. And this. So, then you got to plan that. But you already got to be pressing the next thing. And then, and then But you also had to press defense because if that doesn't hit and he blocks it, then you got to be ready to come back. I'm like, fam, no, nah, that's – that's too much bro like i oof that yeah no but he but he says it like oh no 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 no. it's 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 two plus two it's really easy so just think about it like this i'm like that's you but i i enjoy watching those videos i would love to be like have better skills at those games oh yeah yeah like that that frame per second is not a way i've ever thought about gaming in my life like as you're saying right bro like i'd never wait i gotta i got a tenth of a second i gotta hit x like hold on a minute like i that's a lot of pressure. Right. No. Yeah. Well, you, you have a 10 frame window. And then after that, you know, you're going to do whatever. So you're going to do this and then you got to wait a little bit and then you're going to do da, 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 da. And it was just like, that's the way that things are done. I said, Oh, that's, that's very crazy. different. But that's, right. I, yeah, 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 exactly. That's like, I'm, 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 I'm like, what? Like all this stuff we've talked about, that's one of the most bomb blowing shit. Like I never thought about frames per second in a video game, which makes perfect sense, but I'm not going to analyze it that way when I'm trying to get a through pass and hit a goal, you know what I mean? Like, or I'm trying to hit you. Yeah, with I a- mean, no, obviously, I think that's going to be a little bit different in a sports yeah. game uh, kind yeah. of context, but like, yeah, he said, and I did the same thing. I said, wait, what? 
like yeah, yeah he's yeah yeah no that's and he's exactly like saying all this stuff like bro this is this is chinese that you're saying what what's what's happening right, right now well i mean and, and then you know like different characters have different things and like da, 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 da. so like if you're trying to do this kind of thing with a character if you're trying to do a throw that usually has that but then like the throws for this character are different so you really only want to learn like two maybe three characters you're not going to learn every character because of the, uh, <clears throat> you got it buddy you got it you got it you got it. you win you got it <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not doing all that i'm gonna just hit these buttons know, right and see what's what hey, yeah, i'm gonna be a button masher exactly yeah i'm pressing these buttons you ever lost to a, to a button masher it's one of the most annoying things on the planet. I've lost one, one time. I've lost to a button masher. I, I didn't. We're gonna end with this. We're gonna end with it. My story and then your story. Then we're gonna wrap it up. All right, bet. So, man, listen. I I lost to my little cousin. He was seven years old on Killer Instinct. Right. I was eleven at the time. I'm nice. playing this kid. He never played it before. He beat me two zero. Like, like tw- Like nothing. Like I, I'm just like, hey man, what the. What's going on here? And he killed me. He hit me with a like. I just I never I put the game down for like six months after that. I felt like everything I had done up to that moment. I failed that life. Like it's one of it's one of those moments yeah. where like I don't even want to relive it in detail. I just like yo this this isn't for me. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do something I'm gonna go outside. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> no. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go catch passes. We'll do something else. I'm, hey man, catching catching those L's is frustrating as hell for sure. But I mean, the one that I really think of was was, was my girl in college. Like, oh. bro, I don't even know. Like, she, <laughs> we were playing, we were playing NCAA, and oh. like, I honestly, I didn't lose. I lost to a dude next door to me when the game came out my senior year, and he made it to like the semifinals or finals of like the local tournament at the or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's the only person I ever lost to. Like, you know, like I yeah. never lost to NCAA. Bro, her button mashing ass, and I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Free safety coming down. That weak ass pass, got yeah. that touchdown. I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Bro, I lost that game 24-23 on the last second field goal. I was so mad. <laughs> and she was just like, so like, What's you want to play again? <laughs> no, damn it, I don't want to play again. Like, no. bro, I was, bro, I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. Oh yeah, I had a, I had a I had a crazy comeback win on, on my boy. I had a first and only time I ever successfully completed a hail mary for a win. Like it was off a tip. Like he played with Oklahoma and I played with Texas, and it like yeah. it bounced around and all. And I'm you know like when you kind of know where the field is, but you, they're only zooming in on the ball. So I'm just. Throwing mm-hmm. my guy towards that area, right? And he all of a sudden my guy just shows up, catches it, and runs it for a touchdown. I dropped the control, like I already did this shit. Like I coached my guy to, to make it. I dro- I'm running all around, everybody's drinking. Like, oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Man, my boy, my boy, that was like 15, 16 years ago. I talk to him sometimes on Facebook. First thing I'll say to him, like, hey man, fuck you in that Hail Mary. <laughs> Hey man, he cannot let that slide, and you can't let it slide either way. So I mean that that is the backbone of a great friendship, right there. Absolutely, absolutely, Cam man, it's been great to have you on the podcast, man. You're welcome anytime. This I've we've talked about absolutely everything and shit that I didn't even know we were going to talk about. I thought we were just going to break down some shit, and then we we talked about the history of music, your history with music. We talked about food. Yeah. We talked about restaurant Vermeer, which I remembered. I mean, like, man, yes. it's been a great conversation, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, man. hey. 
Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It has been a fun conversation. It's been a winding road, but I think it's been a, a good listen for everybody. If you've been sticking around for this whole thing, I know it's a long podcast, but, you know, yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, you know, um, just over at State of the U, um, you know, covering the Miami Hurricanes. So we're doing all kinds of stuff every single day, 24-7, 365. So if you're on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at The State of the U on all of those. The website is stateoftheu.com. My personal Twitter is at Underwood Sports, uh, and I'm on there all the time if I'm not tweeting from the website's account. So, I mean, those are the things that I'm working on. Obviously looking forward to this weekend's game and the rest of the season. But like I said, man, it was definitely a, a blessing to be on here. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, you know, I wish you all the best with this, and I definitely look forward to coming back another time and just kicking it. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, man. I'll see you next time, brother. All right, bro. Be easy. Be easy. Thanks for listening to the Man Chatter Podcast with your host as always, Ben Borges. Till next time, peace.